on the podcast, we are here to celebrate 25 years of James Cameron's Titanic. everybody welcome to the dissect that film podcast where we dissect your favorite films and film franchises i am your host brett parker joining me as always with my wonderful co-host dan and angela of dna gaming and our guest via the dtf phone is one of the this is all from this is all my opinion but it's all true one of the best true kind podcasters around and a titanic expert yeah i labeled her that we have the wonderful Ashley Lana. Hello. I'm actually really excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about this. We are film. so amazing. excited. We are so excited to have you here to talk about the Titanic because this is the reason why I asked you to be on this episode. So you have your own podcast called Bullabye the Fear Podcast where you did an episode about the Titanic. And uh, literally as you were talking about your passion about it, I was like, that sounds exactly like me when i was a kid watching this movie and just like wanting to literally watch every documentary read every book about the titanic and still to this day at 31 years old i still am so enthralled with the titanic so your passion for the titanic was like we're like we're like one in the same and so i definitely had to ask you to be on this episode specifically so thank you for being here oh thank you for thank you for asking i am a technically self-proclaimed titanic expert but i am actually a titanic historian i didn't go to school for it but i like to think that since i've been studying it since 2000 that i got my facts down straight there we go all right so yeah ashley's going to be here to make sure that you know she's going to share all of the historical facts i i know some things from my memory is a little fuzzy but ashley's going to make sure to give us all the facts about the actual event as we talk about the fictional retelling of the event that James Cameron gave us in 1997. Titanic was called the ship of dreams. And it was, it really was. Give me your hand. Trust me. I trust you. Open your eyes. I'm flying. Jack. You never know what hand you're going to get dealt next. Learn to take life as it comes at you. To make each day count. I will never let go, Jack. 
So before we start every all of the other stuff, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Well, as you've mentioned, I am the host of Lullaby the Fear podcast. And what I do is I explain and examine the dark psychology of criminals. And then I explore historical disasters and events such as the Titanic. And ever since 1999, when I got the Titanic on the double VHS, which I can see in the background, I've been just like you, obsessed. Like every, every child, just I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that I mean, I haven't seen this movie in years and going back, I just like I just felt all those emotions again because it like for me, it was always it wasn't the love story. It wasn't the Jack and Rose story. It was like everything to just do with the ship, just them walking through the ship. I'm just like, ah, I felt like I was there. I didn't give a shit about mm-hmm. them. I gave a shit about what was going on with the ship and all of like, of course, the um, the historical uh, figures that. Uh, played into the event and you know the making of the Titanic and all that so yeah it was a it was a wild ride but yeah you're definitely the person we needed here to talk about this well I have a little little fun fit fun fidget for you if you're curious of course so when I was in I just got out of high school so it was like 2010 and I believe it's in 2011 I was working at a gym and one of the members walked by and it was late in the afternoon and he was carrying like a poster board carrier and we just started up talking and I asked him what what was inside it, just being a little nosy. And he casually just said that he was carrying a blueprint for the RMS Titanic. And then my childhood just went, I need to know. And I'm like, may I see it? And he goes, yeah. So we walk over to this table and he lays it out. And it was a full two-page copy, massive poster of the blueprint of the Titanic. And then he told me that he was a member of the Canadian chapter of the Titanic Historical Society. So that's how I got more involved with the history of the Titanic. So if I get really excited, that's why it's passion. Heck yeah. That's what I, we, we, that's what we love. You know, we love the passion here when it comes to talking movies, when it comes to talking about historical events that were or just anything in particular that we're passionate about. It's it. I love to see it. So I love it. Let's talk about our experiences with the movie itself. So, Ashley, why don't you start out and tell us what was your first experience with the movie and do you uh, what was your what are your feelings after watching it recently? Well, the first time I watched it, it would have been roughly 2000, like it was a couple years after it came out. I wish I could have seen it in theaters, but we weren't at that point yet. And I remember being at that age where you didn't really understand the concept of the ship sinking, but at the age where you understand the love story. So when I was younger, I watched it for the Jack and Rose. And then as I got older, I became more curious about the history. So when I seen it at the age of being able to understand what happened, it's like experiencing it in two different ways, kind of like you mentioned, because you can watch it for the love story or you could watch it for the facts. And James Cameron just nailed it. All right. Uh, Angelo. I don't remember what year I first watched it. I do remember it was on VHS um, because I had to watch it at my sister's house. And it got to the the one scene where he's drawing her and she's just like, nope, fast forward. You don't get to see (laughs) this. Everybody's parents (laughs) (laughs) growing up that age. (laughs) But I, I do. I just it sparked something. I mean, like like you two, it just sparked something in me. And like, I just remember trying to read as much as I could. I don't remember as much as I used to because, you know, 
kids and brains don't let you remember. Um, <laughs> but I had I had a Titanic book that my sister-in-law bought for me, and I've had it for, gosh, probably I graduated in 2004. I think that's when I got it. So I've had it forever. I cannot find it, and I'm so upset that I may have lost it. But yeah, uh, so much research was done from the inspiration, which is, this movie is awesome. Like, don't know why I haven't watched it more since. Well, I mean, I do know. Cause Maybe because right it's here. three and a half hours long. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, though. <laughs> but Sometimes. There's moments. <laughs> but it almost feels like, yes, it could have been shorter, because they could have taken all the stuff with Jack and Rose out, and that would have been perfectly fine. Yep, I agree. All right, Dan, this is the one I've been waiting for. Let's go. I know. I'm watching his facial expression just filter through I'm, emotions. I'm, I'm, the em- I'm the emotive one. I'm the one that's going to make an ass out of myself. That's what I live for. Let's so, go. Surprise for everybody here. I actually just watched Speed 2 Cruise Control because it's practically the same movie <laughs> and it's much shorter. Oh, <laughs> it's about man. That's a not an iceberg. That one won 11 Razzies, not 11 Academy Awards as like Titanic did. Still fun. <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember when this movie was coming out, did not give two shits about the movie. In fact, I didn't give two shits about the movie leading up to the point Parker said, you need to watch this. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm fascinated. It's like, no, dude, you're watching this shit. It like, has okay. been mentioned on the show because Dan was like, I am not looking forward to when we have to cover Titanic. And I was like, it's coming soon, baby. April. <laughs> oh, by the way, and and the beginning of for our video users of me laying limp here was not my disinterest. I was m- my imitation of a corpse in the ocean oh. is what I was doing at the beginning of the, of the oh. podcast. So anyway, it, dude, it's <laughs> over. It's over 20. Was it 22 and a half years? It's fine. We got we were past that threshold. 22 so, and a half years. What are you talking about? That's the cutoff where you can make jokes about stuff. Oh, it's, I, I thought after. it's <laughs> a South the official Park cutoff. It's South Park. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, what is I'm happening? sorry. I have no idea. Oh, but no. um, like I said, you just you roll watched with South it. Park earlier. No, um, in all seriousness, I remember the advertisements for it, and I remember my mom watching it. I remember having the double VHS. I remember my cousin having it, and I seen bits and pieces of it just throughout my life. I never watched the movie in its entirety until Thursday. And, that's impressive right right i, but th- I, I will, actually find that impressive well so there you go so like it's just i just it's i'm not obviously a romance movie guy it's it's pretty obvious by Definitely anybody that's watched this podcast or listen to this podcast but the subject matter is not big on me however i did grow up watching some stuff on like the discovery and the history channel about the titanic that i found was interesting but those are like hour-long shows i'm like oh this is just on let's just watch this like that i found interesting but I don't have much of a history with it. For me, well, I got a podcast it, episode just for gonna... you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots You're of good ones. Uh, for me, it started. I think we bought the V. My parents bought the VHS in probably like as soon as it was available in because this was released in late '97, and so it probably came out on VHS around the end of '98 because this was in theaters for like. 20 weeks like it was it was like one of the longest running movies in theaters and it's i mean and it became at the time the highest grossing film of all time until james cameron said let me do it again and and 2009 avatar broke it fucking james cameron (laughs) 
And then he's like, okay. let me do it again. And in a way of water. He's like, no, stop it. <laughs> Go bad. Stop with the Avatar movies, James Cameron. No, I just, I remember my parents or my mom letting me watch it. And of course, you know, you get to that scene and they, everybody turn around. I think I was like seven the first time I ever, I had ever seen this movie. I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? What's happening? She's like, don't, she's like, don't ask. I was like, and even at a young age, I was like, it's only PG 13. What are you, what are you doing? What's happening? (laughs) Until I was like a little bit older and it was like, oh yeah, there's boobs in it. It's like, oh no. Oh no, not boobs. And then, I would literally, I remember my dad because my parents are, were divorced and so like my dad also had the double pack and he didn't give a shit and I just watched and I was like first time I ever saw boobs, guys. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm wondering about. So I, I think I know how he bit, did it, but I'm curious how he managed to get away with that amount of tatters in like this PG-13 film. Because it's I, not even just like very brief. It, there's, it's actually elongated over multiple scenes. So there's, so I'm assuming there's no like way hard. it could happen anymore. I don't think no. they could ever do it again. But I think the reason behind it was that it wasn't a sexual scene. Yeah, it's artistic. Yeah. So I think they were like, eh, it's fine. But now it's like, oh, geez. they're like James Cameron. They, you see a nipple through a shirt and you're like, whoa. That's a great James R. Cameron just wanted to kind of brag about his artistic skills because that was him drawing her, right? Yep. yep. That was yeah. his hands, yeah. So it was probably just him going, you know, I'm a good drawer, but you want it else is good? Boobs. Viola <laughs> <Fiona laughs> boobs. <laughs> like, okay, James. <laughs> but he never did it in his other, like, R-rated mer- movies. There's no titties in Aliens or Terminator, Terminator 2. Because mm. he couldn't use art as his scapegoat. That's very true. That sounds like a James Cameron. What are you talking about? There was titties in Terminator. You see Linda Hamilton all full, full front, man. Oh, okay. Was there? I can't remember. He started off with a bang, you know? (laughs) 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 There's some of that in this movie, too, but we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, I remember watching it as a kid, and I literally could have cared less about the Jack and Rose story. I think, I mean, of course, I think the performances are fantastic, and I think looking at it as an adult, it's like, oh, this is really good, and it still holds up really well. But back then, I was like, nah, I just want to see the Titanic. Like, I remember seeing the transition from the Titanic, you know, at the bottom of the ocean to seeing it in 1912, and I, I think I cried. Like, it was like goosebumps, tears. Like, it was one of the coolest transitions I had ever seen on film. It was wild, and that's what I cared about. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted, to, I wanted to hang out with Bill Paxton because he's just the coolest guy ever. Like just Except talking about the Titanic. The earring out of your ear. What Ugh, take the damn earring out of your ear. I hate that was 97. I hate that. I know, My dad I rocked that until like 2015. <laughs> like it just makes him look not not no, it makes him look like he's trying to be one of the cool kids. Yeah. I mean he, he is. He's Bill Paxton. He literally was like, I chased cool tornadoes the year it. before. Yeah. And now I'm gonna hang out with the Titanic. And hang out with this hundred-year-old woman as she tells me about, you know, Bone and Leonardo DiCaprio and the Titanic. I Something mean. that I noticed <laughs> re-watching it just recently was how much Bill Paxton is really good at casually not giving a shit about the love story behind it. Because if you watch it, you can see him just glaze over <laughs> when Rose starts talking. But as soon as she brings up anything that has to do with the heart of the ocean, he's like, what? And then Man. it's like interest. Fucking in. 
He's like he's like Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained. It's like you have uh, what was it? You have piqued my curiosity. Now you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I this movie holds up so well. It it doesn't feel like a movie that was made in the nineties. It especially when you watch it on Blu-ray. Like I watched, I bought the Blu-ray and they r- restored the whole thing. It looks so good. Like there are some visual effects that look a little wonky, but I'm like, it's 1997. Then can't judge it too hard. But this movie looks so good for being 25 years old. But I mean, for $200 million, it better look good. There's that one CGI scene that's at the very beginning when they're just leaving port and Captain EJ Smith, he's kind of sitting or he's standing actually over the deck and it's a outward shot of like an aerial view of the ship and it's CGI and a officer I think it's Murdoch comes out on deck, but it looks like a Sims character. And now you will never see that scene the same way again. It's ruined. I am. You're welcome. <laughs> there were some other, there were some other shots where it looks it like it, there was a, a shot where it's the, the ship is sinking and it's from the lifeboat that uh, Molly Brown's on. And it's showing like people running on the ship. And some of them just look like black blobs that are just running. Like, it's supposed to be a shadow, but it doesn't even look remotely like a person. It's just, like, just a black blob just running across the deck in light, too. It wasn't even in the complete darkness. Ooh, all right. I guess that's what a VHS quality, you don't catch those things. But when you upgrade it to 1080p, you see it. There was a couple of uh, scenes after, uh, right before the ship breaks in half, where they're, like, all running up. Oh, yeah. And you see people, people hanging from the the ropes and i'm like i don't think they're even there (laughs) like i think they were just kind of like placed there afterwards it looked like they were doing acrobatics like like i'm pretty sure one person like went in the boat as they were swinging like clip through yeah like not even clip through like it just like they just went into the boat they were still you know in front of it but i'm like "Mm." Yeah, I mean, these people. like I said, it's 1997. You know, like, you're going to pick you're going to pick at those type of things, especially when it's upgraded from its original quality. But it's still this movie still looks so good for 1997. I had a couple laughs with some of this stuff. Yeah, she's been all rude and shit about it. <laughs> well, I mean, when they're when they're on one of the boats and you can see the back, the black background and I'm like, mm, they're they're outlined in green. Like that's a little obvious. Yeah. Also, water effects were not like as good as they are now. So, like when you see the Titanic like slicing through the ocean, it does like the the ocean doesn't look very good. It's just too flat. Like not yeah. flat, yeah. like the ocean's flat, but like it just doesn't look like there's enough going on. No, I agree. Because when she was hanging off the back of the ship, uh, if you look at the water, if you really look at it and try to critique the shit out of it it doesn't look like it's going 22 knots like the ship looks like it's just going just just casual running speed yeah so uh yeah as we've talked about this movie was directed by james cameron it was written by james cameron it was edited by james cameron produced by james cameron he did everything on this movie and uh he when he was making this movie he literally i forgot what the idea was behind it but he just was like, I want to do like Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. And they're like, sold. 
And he's like, I'm going to need a lot of money to do it. And they're like, okay. They gave him $200 million to make this movie. And in order for him to make it the way he wanted to, he had to build his own studio. Like he, there was a studio specifically built for this movie. Like they built half of the Titanic to film this movie. Like any, the entirety of the ship's, the ship sinking, not of course when it like splits in half and all that the crazy stuff, but like when it's slowly sinking, that's all practical. It's only one side. It, they, they didn't, they, you know, it's a lot of money you got to spend to build the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, he, he was all in, he wanted to make sure that it was as accurate as possible for the information they had at the time. But also, you know, of course you got to do some creative liberties to make the story a little bit more exciting. Um, which some of those events bit him in the ass because when you're playing with people who actually were there, who actually died on the Titanic and you're fucking with their history or you're, you're, you're making them look bad. It's not good. And, uh, one of them was Murdoch or Murdoch. Uh, the whole, you know, he's the one who at the end of the movie is threatening to shoot people and he kills a couple of people and then ends up shooting himself. Well, that didn't happen yeah. at least according to, reports like that's not how it all ended and i guess the family wasn't too happy about it and james cameron actually apologized to surviving members of the family uh after you know all that came out do you have any do you have any other info on that yeah you're correct uh first officer murdoch he never a lot of the officers who were on board the titanic don't believe that he did that it was very out of character and james cameron did say it was more of a creative direct shots were fired on the titanic but when they came back and they found recovered the bodies from the wreck none of them had bullet wounds in them so no one reported anybody getting shot um james cameron did it just for creative effects right and like you said he regretted doing that and he wished he kind of made murdoch more of a just a background character and not focused in on on that for that exact reason the families yeah it, it, well i mean it, that character i mean i guess a character like that he was the one who did give the direction of trying to avoid the, the iceberg so he of course feels guilty the fact that when he finds out the ship strikes the iceberg and is sinking because of he blames himself because it was his direction to mm-hmm avoid the iceberg because there's still, you know, there was things saying like if the Titanic had gone directly into the iceberg, it would have damaged the ship, but not enough to sink it. And it would have survived to make it to New York, but it would have took like, I think it was like, they would have added two extra days onto the voyage. And, but it's like, how would they have known that? Like who in the right mind, if you're on a, a ship, this like it's a maiden voyage, it's cost a lot of money. And you see an iceberg directly in front of you. Do you think, guys, I think we should just go straight into it. Like it's, he made the logical decision to try to avoid it. Unfortunately, icebergs are deceiving. You know, they, they're a lot bigger underneath the water than they are on top. And, uh, you know, just, it's one of those things like there was a lot of other factors in actuality. This movie does not even play into onto why the Titanic, you know, sank that night. And, uh, and like certain certain people are portrayed in like more of a like a, a brighter light than they should have been, and uh, I know Ashley is just dying to tell us about those people, especially <laughs> Captain Smith. Oh, don't get me started on EJ. <laughs> so, 
I do want to talk about the the quick decision to go like hard to starboard, right? So the maneuver itself, if you were to take out time, was a, okay. Let me let me just back up here. So they seen the iceberg at the lookouts at eleven forty p.m. Okay, or no correction, eleven thirty nine uh, p.m. So that means they had less than thirty seven seconds for Murdoch to decide what to do. Now. In that short amount of time, he did what he was trained to do, which is you got to try to quickly maneuver the boat to swing around and hopefully only hit or completely bypass part of the ship. So that's what he did in 37 seconds. That was the time frame. And what ended up happening was because he slowed down and stopped the engines, that reduced the speed and also slowed down the maneuver, which is another reason why it hit the ship. But again... 37 seconds to make that decision yeah right so i think faulting him for that is almost not fair like you weren't there right it's not right it's not as instantaneous as like push break it's like from person to person to person to person to person then some shit actually starts happening it's not like cruise ships now you know no where a lot of things are controlled on you know on deck like it like they can control a lot of those things like if if you're in that same situation now, it's probably a lot easier to maneuver around that because you're not having to communicate. To, they don't have boiler rooms anymore. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it was all word to mouth until like the lookouts had to phone down. And then by that time, when they got to the bridge, there was 37 seconds. Because it's the whole time. I explained it in my episode of Lullaby where I go really in depth. So I'm not going to go in depth on it on here because yeah. we don't have time for that. But there were so many factors, and E.J. Smith, in the end, was the catalyst to this problem. And the event could have been prevented, however, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I'll between... Wait. I'll wait. Yeah, between, like, Captain Smith and... Then you have, like, was it, it uh, Ismay? And just a lot of... There's a lot of factors, and it's just unfortunate. And you see some of the things that go on in the movie but like certain like i said before like certain people are just kind of not they're not the, the, the light isn't shown on them as much like you were a contributing factor to this but like they uh-huh. kind of just kind of swept it to the side especially captain smith i feel like they made him more of like he's more of like a hero because the fact that like he's gonna go down with the ship that was just a common thing like captains went down with their ship that's just like if that's the the best thing he did good for him other than that, yeah, he did a lot of stupid shit that oh, yeah. helped contribute to what happened that night. So I guess he had a laundry uh, list. <laughs> yeah, it, listen, if you really want to get in depth, make sure you listen to the episode of Lullaby on the RMS Titanic because it is. It, I learned things I I had never even heard before when it came to this this whole this whole thing. So make sure I'm gonna link that episode down in the description and in the show notes. I mean, you gotta go. You got to listen to it and listen to everything else. All right. So this movie, but like I stated, budget $200 million. It made two. It's been re-released twice after being released in 97. Like I stated, it was in theaters for from. uh, It came out in December. So December 19th, 1997. And I think it was like almost May or June when it finally came out of theaters. Like it just, and it was on top for most of that run, which is just wild. It, 
and then it was re-released in 2012 uh, for the centennial of the sinking. And then it was re-released this past January for the 25th anniversary of the movie. So in total, it's about at like $2.2 billion, which is insane. Uh, it literally took over from the first Avatar, which was pretty funny because Avatar, or because I think Endgame had the highest amount at that point. And so every time a new movie takes over like that top spot, the director of the prior movie sends like a a, a picture of their characters incorporated into whatever movie took over it. So it's literally like Marvel characters on the Titanic as it's sinking. Look it up online, guys. It's really cool. <laughs> The first time it was Star Wars characters on the Titanic because the re-releases of the original trilogy of Star Wars um, beat, uh, I think, were the highest grossing films at that time because they were released the year that same year. Crazy stuff. Uh, this movie has a stacked cast. Some, though, uh, I mean, these, this was like the beginning of their career. This was the movie that really put Leonardo DiCaprio like into the stratosphere. Like he had done movies before what's eating Gilbert grape, the basketball diaries. Of course he was in, um, what was the show he was in with Kirk Cameron? Growing oh. pains. Oh yes. Yeah. That's before it. Kirk Cameron became crazy. Um, we got Kate Winslet who this was kind of the beginning of her career. What, what are you shaking your head at? You don't even mention, uh, DiCaprio's first movie. What critters two or critters three. three. Oh. Yes. Come on, dude. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry but, uh, we got kate winslet uh she was uh when she got the role she was 19 they didn't start filming it until she was like 21 and she plays a 17 year old in this movie by the way which just makes it a little bit creepier in certain scenes actually most Boobies. of this movie just makes it creepy it's not even just the boobs <laughs> it's the fact Great. that cal's like 35 years old <laughs> different it was a different time it's still weird man Still weird. Uh, Billy Zane. You, you didn't mention that um, apparently Leonardo DiCaprio was a producer in Orphan. Yeah, yeah. No, we did in our Orphan episode. I know, but you didn't this time. I'm, why would I mention oh, it? I'm He's a saying. producer. <laughs> he probably did nothing. Don't do shit. He probably did nothing. <laughs> he probably didn't, but. He showed know. up to set one time. I was like, cool, guys. Sorry, right, I'm going to go. Um, yeah, Billy Zane. I fucking love Billy Zane. I don't care, man. Oh, He's man. the Phantom. And to be honest, Ooh. he's not what? Oh, he was in Back to the Future Part Two. No, no, no you're, I'm agreeing. Like he's the Phantom. He's yo. the Phantom. Yeah, like not like no, Ben Affleck in Phantoms. Yo, entirely different thing. <laughs> uh, Wait, wasn't he in another horror movie? Wasn't he in the first Critters? I don't. I don't. Billy remember, Zane man. is. He's in a lot of the Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, he was in Demon Knight, which was the yeah, Tales of the Crypt movie they did. We watched one of these. She's looking. I guarantee. I still don't remember. A, all I know is our friends. All I know is our friends over at Movie Dumpster just covered a movie he was in called Red Clover, yes. and it's awful, and he's not very good in it. But it's still Billy Zane, and we love Billy Zane. Billy Zane plays in the original Critters. Nice. And I'm mad that he doesn't punch somebody, and there's not a skull on their head. So that's a little disappointing. Okay. Movie ruined. It's Phantom, dude. Come on. <laughs> I haven't seen Phantom in forever. I literally can watch ring. it like I've never seen it before. He's got the ring and he punches people and leaves that little skull indentation. <sighs> One of my favorites, though, Kathy Bates, who plays Molly Brown. Oh, yeah. She is Molly Brown from, you know, she... things I've read on Molly Brown and from <laughs> other people who knew her. Of her. Yeah, she looks like her. She acts she... like her. What? They said it was literally like hanging out with Molly Brown and that's just, it just shows the commitment. It, the commitment and how good Kathy Bates is. She's great. 
And the fact it's like these actual people that they're playing are like, you know, the way that he, James Cameron is able to get them to like interact with these fictional characters and how they're like so flawlessly. Bravo. Uh, Francis Fisher, who plays Ruth, uh, Rose's mom. She is awful, but I'm, I'm just, I'm like, man, she's awful, but it's like, it's 1912. So I get it. Women literally had no rights. Uh, she literally was doing it to survive. Mm-hmm. Gloria Stewart, who played old Rose. She, this is like the only time where two actresses were nominated for playing the same character, but different ages because Kate Winslet was, uh, up for best actress and Gloria Stewart was up for best supporting actress. She won. She like she wasn't on screen a lot, but you believed every she made you forget you were watching a movie. Right. And I think because they aged her for that role. She wasn't really happy about it. She was 86 at the time. Yeah. And then they added mole spots and she was like, I don't like that, Jim Cameron. I don't even know (laughs) why it's necessary. (laughs) She's 100. You can believe it. She was just, she's amazing. She is so believable in that role. It's incredible. But it's just because she do, she doesn't look, all the pictures I've seen of her right before she died, she doesn't look 100. Like, she yeah, looks which maybe is, 80. Which is wild because her character, Rose, was 100 in the movie. Mm-hmm. And she actually, Gloria Stewart died at 100, which is just like, whoa. Irony. Irony. And I thought it was cool that she was the only... Uh, one in the movie that was old enough to be alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Titanic failed. I yep. thought that was pretty cool. And uh, Bill Paxton, because he's he's he's, he's he's like best friends with James Cameron. He shows up in anything. We've This is the fourth James Cameron movie we've talked about on the show, and he has oh, been nice. in every one, right? Because he was in Terminator. No, he wasn't in Terminator 2. No, because he died ah, in Terminator. Damn it. <laughs> But he wasn't aliens, man. And I really wanted him to say, like, when they do, when he opens up the safe and the, the, the diamond's not in there, I just, wanted, I just wanted him to look up and be like, it's game over, man. It's game over. Like, just so subtly, too. Just, ah. Yeah, it would have been perfect. But we can't, we can't be that lucky. Uh, Bernard Hill as Captain Smith. David Warner. David Warner, who, I don't know if anyone knows, but he was in The Omen from 1976. And he's been, I mean, he's, been in so many things up until his death a couple i think he died last year or two years ago but he plays spicer lovejoy who is another fictional character that was added to this um and he's just so menacing but also just looking at this like this is the most cartoon like he's a cartoon in this movie it's him and cal are just cartoons <laughs> it's just yeah. so funny but man david warner he he places straight the whole time and he does a great job he's terrifying i would never want to run into him there's been a lot of things that he's played though where he just plays such a good evil person yeah bad guy yeah uh victor garber as thomas andrews and you know what i have to i have to applaud victor garber for having a really putting on a really good accent because he's an american Yes. And he and he had to put I think he was because uh, Thomas Andrews was Irish. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to have like that, you know, had to have the accent. And it was pretty good because he was not like forcing it. It was very subtle, but it sounded really good. I was like, good for you. I'm, I'm, I love when I hear scene, good accents. Sorry, I cut you off. No, go In ahead. The scene where he's telling Rose about the lifeboats. 
he has this very subtle accent like influx where he just casually uses his voice to act as if he's calm but to portray like the seriousness of the situation Mm -hmm. and the titanic historians that were on set said that it was incredible just watching them film that scene gave them goosebumps so they applauded victor for that all right i sorry i i just want to correct myself he's not american he's canadian my apologies. I had to look it up because I just said it. And I was like, I didn't even look up if he was. He's a Canadian. We just, we just lost a viewer. Way to go. Yay. <laughs> Ashley's like, bye. She's just- <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I looked it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Hyde plays Bruce Ismay. Uh, we've talked about Jonathan Hyde on the show before when we talked about Anaconda, which I believe yes. came out the same year or year before this. Uh, we have Susie Amos Cameron now because she married James Cameron shortly after this came out because James Cameron loves marrying the people he does movies with. <laughs> like I we stated before, he has a kid with Linda Hamilton. Someone. So, but yeah, uh, she plays Lizzie Calvert, the granddaughter of Rose. We have uh, Louis Abernathy who plays Louis Bodine, who was uh, he was Bill Paxson's like scientist buddy there, the guy who was working alongside. Yeah. Like him, wanted to squeeze our one fuck word into the movie for us. Mm-hmm. He, he wears Snoop Vision. <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, Danny Nucci, who played Fabrizio, who is another fictional character added. He was uh, Jack's friend, and like Ewan Stewart, who played First Officer Murdoch. And uh, there was another one, uh, Mr. Fantastic from the original Fantastic Four, is in this movie. Eon Grufold. He played Fifth Officer Lowe. Uh, click on his name, Dan. Okay. You'll know who I'm talking about. You've seen the original two <laughs> Fantastic Four, yeah. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He played Mr. Fantastic. Thank you. She you has know? the mouse, that's why. Oh. I, I, Get you on have it. it. It wouldn't be the first time that you've stole it from me. Nope. So yeah, so I I mean, like I stated before, James Cameron. He spared no expense with this movie. He wanted to make sure he spent all of that $200 million and made one of the greatest movies probably ever made, you know, when it comes to visuals and just being authentic as much as he could. You know, the fact that he was so invested in the Titanic, even after he made the movie that he took, he's taken many dives down to the the wreck itself. Uh, I think it's even stated that he has spent more time on the Titanic than the people who are actually on the ship. Accurate. That's how many dives that he's been on. He actually made he's done a, 33 dives in total. Crazy. And uh, he also made a documentary about the, uh, the wreck where it was a mix of his dive footage plus like uh, digital re- uh, digital rebuilding of the Titanic. And he's put out a bunch of documentaries uh, for the hundredth anniversary of the sinking back in 2012. And uh, he just released a an addition to that documentary this past year for the 25th of the movie, uh, where he was proving the door scene where it was like, oh, Jack could have fit on the door. Well, he made sure to prove it wrong that uh, there was a lot of variables in order for Jack to survive. And it was w- one of the biggest things was how did the Titanic break? Like, and how did it go down? And in, you know, of course, in the movie, when it breaks in half, the uh, so the. So the back of the ship is the one that goes down first, right? Because they're riding on the front or are they riding on the back? They're riding on the back. They're on the stern when they're it goes on, down. Right. 
So yeah, so the bow goes down and it kind of drags it up so that the uh, stern goes up in the air and then uh, it goes down. Well, there was a lot of controversy behind that because there was people who stated who were there that stated that's not how it happened. But then there were some people who were there who stated that the way James Cameron did it was the way it happened. It was a whole thing. So he literally like there's an entire hour long documentary of just him proving how the Titanic, you know, sank. It's wild stuff. Check it out. There's a lot of content out there on the Titanic. Uh, and it just shows how passionate James Cameron is as a filmmaker to not just make a film like Titanic, but to continue doing research on something when it's like somebody could just do a movie on something like this and then just move on to something and just completely ignore everything. Like, ah, yeah, I did it. It's over. I'm going to move on. Like he was doing this stuff while he was making Avatar. I was like, you're crazy, dude. No wonder it took 12 years for him to make a movie after Titanic. <laughs> the dude's crazy. But before we hop into the plot of this movie, I'm going to open up my drink of the night, which ironically is called a 1911, which is the year the Titanic uh, was um, like brought out of uh, where they were building it uh, before they finished it up. And uh, it's an orange creamsicle and it's fucking delicious. So I figured it was it was the perfect drink. It's not the only 1911 that's in this movie, but carry on. It's not. All right, yeah. I, I, here's the thing. I saw that scene. I was like, did they have that kind of gun back then? Like, was that, yeah. that was around? Okay. I figure, I mean, that's why you're here, Dan. You're the gun well, expert. Well, uh, actually, the uh, first auto-loading pistols, uh, well, the first mainstream auto-loading pistols actually appeared in the late 1800s. Okay. Very late 1800s. But yes, 1911, John Moses Browning making that shit. But I mean, it would have been a brand new gun at the time that he had that. So we're going to get to the plot. Ashley, you're going to interrupt me anytime you have something you want to say, add to what we're talking about with the, any of the historical stuff or with the movie itself. Um, yeah. And we're just going to, we're going to go through. Are you guys ready I'm for it? I'm going to do my very best not to interrupt you because you can't see when I'm about to start talking. Just start <laughs> talking and I stop talking and we go, what do you want, Dan? I didn't state this because we didn't bring it up when we talked about it. Uh-huh. Uh, because we, we usually, you know, we like, how was your first experience with the movie? And I always forget to say what I thought of the movie. <laughs> uh, Damn I just it, say this real quick. I, everybody else is all gung ho about this fucking boat show. All right. I just got to put my two cents in. I actually enjoyed it. I was very wow. apprehensive, but I actually liked the movie. Hey, so, we'll this movie is keeping me from going on a cruise. Oh, it would be all right if we go to be warm in the water. We'll just have to worry about sharks and shit. Like, uh, oh, um, USS Indianapolis. That's what it'll be like. We'll just get eaten by sharks instead of freezing to death. The wild, oh, wow. the, the wild <laughs> fact about the Titanic is like compared to modern cruise ships, the Titanic is it was is tiny compared to it. Like, if you look at comparisons between like the biggest cruise ships oh, now yeah. and the Titanic, which seen... at the time was the biggest yep. made. It, it like it's a it's tiny it's ridiculous yeah. i like my brother told me that i was like nah that's not true the titanic was huge and i was like oh yeah. shit these new cruise ships yeah. are monsters they're ginormous but that's the thing yes. is like there's so much less put into them to make them operate like to type like mm-hmm. you know 1912 when you're trying to get these ships to like i mean that's the the beauty of james cameron you know his his work on this movie is the fact that he shows us, he takes us on a journey through the ship as they're starting it up. We get to see from, you know, 
first class to third class to the boiler room and these dudes sweating their asses off, oh. you know, shoveling coal, making sure this thing goes. It's just a wild process. Now it's all electronics or, you know, fuel or whatever, but it's just, it's crazy. So this movie opens up to quote old footage of the Titanic at port. It's not, it's modern filming. It's just, a, it's literally the, 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 when the ship goes off, they just put a sepia filter over it. I was like, it's old footage guys. And I was like, nah, that, that, nah. It looks too good for that. <laughs> I just love it, though. And then, of course, you hear the melody of um, My Heart Will Go On, which you'll hear throughout this entire movie to the point that when you hear it at the end in the credits, you're like, oh, man, I just want to hear Celine sing. OK, I've just waiting. I've been waiting. No. For three and a half I've hours. Heard this song. No, I've heard this song so many fucking times. I'm sick of the song. No, like, we're like we wouldn't even yeah. let it get to that point. Like credits hit, like turn this fucker off because I'm done with it. <laughs> She didn't even want to sing it when James no. Cameron approached her with it. She's like, no, best thing she ever did in her career. Mm-hmm. I, and she's Canadian. <laughs> it was good at the time, but I hate the song because I've heard it so many times. It's just overplayed. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So actually, before we get into the it, back to the plot, we didn't talk about the fact that it, this was nominated for 14 Academy Awards. It won 11. That's your that's list. Hang Let on. me look on the, the back on the back of this on this vintage VHS, it shows every single award it won. It won for best director, best original song, best original dramatic score by the late James Horner, who we have talked about a few times on the show. As we say that he passed away back in 2015, but his score for this movie iconic. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, it sucks that we we're not going to be getting any, any more brilliant scores from him uh, in the future. Best costume design, best art direction, Best sound, best cinematography, best sound effects editing, best visual effects, and best film editing. Wild. It deserved them all. Oh, yeah. Absolutely insane. Uh, So, yeah. So we get that old footage in the beginning, and then we jump to the future where we see them exploring the wreckage of the Titanic, and we see Bill Paxton and his crew. And uh, they're going through, you know, going over the ship. Is Here's the thing. Is this actual footage of the uh, wreckage? Yes. It's a bounce between uh, a model miniature and real footage. And it's actually yeah. kind of easy to tell based on how much bacteria and micro is in the water. That's kind of how you can tell. Yeah, because I have actually watched one of the videos of when they first found it. And looks a lot, it looks a lot like, especially when they're going over the bow of the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, looks just like that video. Yeah. But they, I've seen, I've seen the, the miniatures too. And they're fantastic miniature work. Yeah. Movies. Oh, the miniatures so are, are amazing. But, um, I know Robert Ballard, who was the, the head of the group that discovered, you know, that rediscovered the ship was it 85 or 86. 1985, September 1st, 1985. Uh, they were at a woods hole, which is, uh, which I've been to the Institute that they were out of because I, I don't live very far from there. Um, but yeah, I, I, he helped get this footage, I believe for the movie because he actually was involved in some of the behind the scenes, especially with the, the wreckage footage. He went down with James Cameron and some of the footage was used from when they went down in 1985 and okay. they accidentally found the Titanic. <laughs> Imagine that. 
Yeah, I don't oh, even like, remember what the initial imagine? what the initial mission was, but yeah, it's wild just to be like, yeah, we just hey, look at that. <laughs> I can sum it up if you're curious. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, Dr. Robert Ballard, he went on a secret mission for the U.S. Navy because they were looking for two American submarines, the Thresher and the Scorpion. And the Navy sent Dr. Ballard to search for these wrecks to see if Russia had anything to do with it. And then he ended up completing it 12 days early. And then he decided, well, since we're out here, since we're spending money, I have 12 days since I'm in the area that the Titanic went down. And then he ran very specific. It's actually amazing watching him talk about it and he ran horizontal and lines and he ended up finding well he found the boiler it was at like two in the morning he found the boiler and then they discovered the ship and they, everybody was celebrating and then they realized that this is a grave site and they were ashamed of how they reacted wild and the fact is like you know they discovered like one part and they're like oh shit it's only half of it and yeah, the fact the that like debris field was insane. Yeah, because like if you look at where the it's not like laying down perfectly, like where you could like just kind of push together and the ship's back. It's like the mm -hmm. I think the the bow is like they're facing each other. It's like the way that it fell, like it, I think one one fell and it, like spun. Yeah, it's weird. I'm, I'm trying to like show you with my hands, like you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, yeah, <laughs> we can see you. I know, but like my description isn't doing. I'm not doing it justice, Angela. Yeah, you flip the left. You flip the left side top wise. Yes. Yep. It did things. Wait, I I I assume that people are supposed to be able to you know see through the sound because yeah, you know I've had I've had things that I show off and nobody can see them. This is what I'm talking about. Where my brain, once we go live, just starts working at half capacity. <laughs> You got a lot to think about. It's okay. So it happens. I had to make this note. The drone that they use is called Snoop Dogg. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their whole thing is they're I mean, they're at the Titanic, but their main mission is to find a safe. And so they find the safe and they bring it up to the surface and they open it up and it's just a bunch of money in there. And uh not what they were looking for. And of course, like they're 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 celebrating too early. They think they found it. Got cigars lit up. Come on, guys. Yeah. And can we just discuss like and this is sarcasm when I say it, but the immense effort that went into the archaeological exploration of said safe. He just opens that thing and cracks his hands in there. I mean, come on. <laughs> I would not be putting my hands in there. Things been things been down there for at the at that time, 84 years. <laughs> Just I mean, crunching up old hundred-year-old paper, like wouldn't it just deteriorate in his hand? Wouldn't it just like crumble to nothing? Surprisingly, it wouldn't. Really, only because of the safe itself. Oh, okay. But like, if you like, had found something like loose, and then you tried to bring it up, it would just kind of just crumble to nothing. But because yeah, the, that's why it was preserved in the safe. That makes sense. Yeah, that's why they can't bring up certain articles from the Titanic because it'll yeah. just turn to mush. It's just the fact that when he puts his hand in there, it's all brown, like rust. Definitely, just holding yeah. it, throwing it. He's yeah, like, fuck this stuff. I would be more worried about like cutting myself on something, and like, oh, you're in the middle of the ocean. Like, where are you gonna go to <laughs> get a tetanus shot? Yeah, <laughs> like you definitely need a tetanus shot after that. Like, oh, <laughs> oh man, that's just you know, that's the passion of uh, trying to find this diamond. But they find a picture 
of a of a nude woman and so this is when you know what uh, what's it was it what's his name what's what's bill paxton's character's name why am i blanking on characters names bill paxton bill paxton when bill paxton uh, he uh where's that rock love joy love no that was uh love that was um, cal's henchman love oh yes yeah, sorry no that's yes, okay <laughs> but um yeah, I'm just going to call him Bill Paxton. When he discovers... <laughs> she just told you what it was. Brock Lovett. Brock Lovett. I just love it. Oh, I got the, it was the love. The love threw me off. Okay, good. <laughs> Smooth sailing from here, people. Um, so, yeah, he sees the picture. And technical term. He goes on the news to say he discovered this picture. And it just like... Of course, of course, uh, Rose and her and her granddaughter's like, of course, it, that's the channel they're on. So they hear something about how they discovered this picture, and Rose is like, "Oh my!" It's not surprising though that an elderly person has the news on, that's true. just because yeah. every elderly person that I have come in contact with, like, yeah, I was watching the news. Like, okay. You go watch your news. I just found it funny. She was just like, <laughs> she sees the picture and she just knows it's her. She's just like, oh my. That was hey. the most exciting moment of her damn life. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> well, I she mean, says that. It was the most erotic moment of my life. At the time. I had somebody that drew me like that at the best point in my physical embodiment. And just plasters it on the television like, like it is! Uh, like I would definitely be artistic like, That's boobs. So, yeah. So she calls up and talks to Love It, and so and you know it's like, oh, who's in the picture? And she's like, oh, that's me. And so they're like, well, come on, we want to talk to you. Yeah. Because it. they see because his whole thing, the reason he does is because he sees the diamond. She's wearing the diamond that they're looking for. So of course he's going to like try to call out and see if anyone has any information on it, and. To get the actual person who's in the picture, win win. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, um, something about the heart of the ocean. And he's like, finding the heart of the ocean. Yeah. He's, he's like, like oh. you wanted to take the call. Yeah. yeah. And and his uh his like colleague there, he's not a fan. He's like, she's lying. There's no way she was on the ship. He's talking about all like she was an actress, and um he. It's like, yeah, of course, that's that was her job to just make shit up. So, like, I, I don't know if we could believe it. She shows up and she's just got her entire house there. Like, she's like, I brought everything. Yes. <laughs> she's got fish. fish she's got her bowl, fish bowl there. All these take like seven uh, suitcases off. Like, suitcases damn, from like the 30s. As far fetched <laughs> as it is, it seems surprisingly kind of realistic because my grandma was the same. If she came over oh for like a weekend, she had every photo album, and it's like, Grandma, you're here for brunch. Like, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're gonna be going granny. home in a couple hours. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> my granny will bring an extra suitcase just because she knows she's gonna buy stuff when she's here. Just so mm. she has she's got that empty suitcase just for <laughs> souvenirs. Yes. So Rose tells them the story after Bodine, who is the colleague, he retells the sinking like she doesn't know what happened. And uh, he tells it in the most like just awful way possible. Just so aggressive. It's like, relax, yeah. guy. He like tries. It's kind of condescending. Like he's excited about it, 
but you wouldn't understand. But because we're right. filming a movie, I should probably say it. Yeah. It, like, I think I it was mostly comments. Yeah. <laughs> because she's like, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. I don't remember it being it would, or she was like, my events are slightly different. But yeah, I, I feel like also he doesn't believe she is who she yeah. is, so he's just True. being a douchebag about it. Yeah. But she, of course, uh, gets to see the, the videos on the monitors of different parts of the wreck. Uh, she actually gets to see some of the pieces that they brought up, like they, they took up a bunch of the stuff from the room, uh, so she got to see her mirror and uh, the clip is what like triggers her. And uh, the clip actually belonged to the actress who plays the granddaughter. It was her clip. And she kind of like was like, hey, let me uh, can we use this? And so they you know, had to make it look like it was from the time. And uh, yeah, it was like her triggering thing because it was the thing that she had been wearing it pretty much for the majority of the movie. The odds of that. So I'm just now I'm taking the time to think of like the odds of all of this happening right. if it were real. <laughs> you happen to find the naked picture in the safe of the girl of the necklace you happen to be looking for, who just happens to still be alive, and you happen to have her hair clip. It all just fell like right in his lap. <laughs> some of Perfect. the few things they're like, oh, this is from your stateroom. Like you only brought this up from one room, like. You couldn't Saw have found. The safe. That mm. was it. Yeah, like the the safe. It was the be all end all. That was it. So we then she tells her story and we get the transition, which is one of the like I said, one of the greatest transitions ever put on film of them showing the ship, the wreckage, and it transport like transforming into the ship in 1912, and then you get James Horner's amazing score playing behind it, and everybody's all joyous. Everybody's waiting to get on the ship. And um, it's just chaos. You get to see Rose get out in her, you know, outfit. You got the hat. I love the 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 when we first see her face because she's like wearing the hat and it's down. Then she kind of looks up. Great shot. We get to meet her douchebag fiance, Cal, played by Billy Zane, and uh, his henchman Lovejoy, who's just like I said, these guys are cartoon characters. <laughs> And uh, her mom, who is just, she just wants everything to go according to plan. And then you find out she's 17 years old, and you're like, this is just weird. But I get it. It was the time. Still weird. We then shoot off to a card game playing, uh, being played by Jack and uh, Fabricio. And these two Swedish guys, Norwegian guys, I don't remember what country they were from. Uh, One of them was named Sven, so I'm guessing... Norwegian. And, I'm assuming. I know in our in uh, subtitles, I kept bringing up Swedish. Yeah, okay. it kept telling us what they were, what language they were speaking in, but not what they were saying. So yeah, they are playing cards, and the the, the wager is a third class ticket on Titanic. And so Jack and Fabricio end up winning the game. I loved, I love though when they win, and you think like the guy's gonna fight him but he just turns and punches his partner because his partner is the one who <laughs> wagered the tickets. <laughs> and um, yeah, we get, they, they, they have to run to the ship cause they only have five minutes to get from where they are to the ship. And this is where you get the, you know, them wave. I'd love some like Jack, Jack's wave. He's like, bye everybody. He's like, I don't know anybody here, but bye. <laughs> See you later. Guys. Tradition. Yeah. Everybody's got to wave goodbye to somebody. 
yeah, we get to see Captain Smith, and I don't remember which crewman was this Murdoch he was with when they oh, first. Oh, who brings him the brings him the tea? Yeah, this is yeah. that bad Sim CGI I was telling you about. Yeah, I believe it was Murdoch. Yeah, there's there's so many. There was um light taller maybe. Light taller well, I'm not sure. was he was pretty uh, prominent. He in was this a survivor. Movie. He was a survivor yeah, who would later. Uh, help out I from what I it was a comment somebody had left uh, he was a big part in the Dunkirk attack during World War II yes yeah yeah I like like interesting that yeah and uh, yeah so they you get the, the shot of Jack going to the front with Fabrizio and the whole king of the world which then James Cameron used in his acceptance speech for winning yeah. best director yeah. and people made fun of him for it I thought it was pretty funny so uh, yeah, Rose is the daughter of a former, you find out is a former rich family because her father, I guess, was wealthy, but they don't have much money anymore. So she needs to marry into Cal's family because he's really wealthy in order for them to survive. You get a whole conversation later about it, and I might as well just mention it now because there's no point in talking about it later. Pretty much Rose has to marry Cal for money because if they don't, then they're pretty much going to live on the streets, according to the mother. Because the dad... Left him a bunch of debt when he yeah, died. Yeah, left him debt. Yeah, and then Cal has to get married to inherit his millions. Right. So, like, it, it's one of those things where, like, Cal, you can tell like Cal doesn't it. love Rose. Rose doesn't love Cal. It is all based on just the benefits of, you know, what each other is going to get out of it. So, Rose, uh, this is when Captain Smith, you know, he he gives the orders to to get everything going, and you get the, the whole journey through the ship, you know, going from first class down to third class. And then down to the boiler room, you get to see like all the just the mechanics of Titanic as it just these massive gears just going and steam and everything and just the, the inner workings of the ship. And it's really cool. So we then get the fact that like Rose and Rose hangs out with like everyone who's important to this ship. So like they hang out with Bruce Ismay, who is uh, one of, was one of the high executives of White Star Line. Yeah, he was the chairman of White Star Line. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he sucks. And um, <laughs> he, it, Rose is great though, because they sit down for dinner at one point, and she 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 says a small dick joke, and I love it because they talk about why did you name a Titanic, and he just you know because of the grand you know wanted to be the grand size of things you know wanted to be the biggest, and she's like well, it feels like you're compensating for something. <laughs> oh, it was something about Freud. She said something yeah, about yeah, you ever heard of yeah. And he's like, uh, who's Freud? Is that a passenger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and she also hangs out with Mr. Andrews uh, and Mr. Andrews, a lot cooler. Uh, he's a, he seems like a really cool guy and uh, he's the designer. So he's the one who pretty much came, you know, why the Titanic looks the way it does. Um, all the ins and outs of it and um, pretty much is very confident in the ship. Of course, it was labeled as unsinkable, which was a poor choice, poor word choice for the ship. Uh, I feel like it was doomed from the start. And uh, what was, there was another name that they gave the ship that they stay in the movie. I can't remember what part. Oh, they're walking they're about. They were walking with the lifeboats. Yeah. And that's when Rose is talking to him about the life, how there's not enough lifeboats. And he literally confirms that he's like, oh, there's only yeah, there's only half. Like, oh, that's terrifying. Less than half. Yeah. Less than half. And it's like, well, that's terrifying. It was like, yeah, but it's, but the ship's not going to, nothing's going to happen. So we don't have to worry about it. 
I do want to clarify something because a lot of people do think that White Star Line was the one that said that their ships were unsinkable. It wasn't White Star Line. It was the media because mm -hmm. Captain E.J. Smith, he was the captain of the another RMS White Star Line ship, which was the Olympic, that, fun fact, he crashed into another ship by almost pulling the same maneuver that the Titanic does. And it caused a gash in the side, but because it only flooded two watertight bulkheads, it was able to get back to port. So when media seen this, they're like, oh my God, because these ships have watertight bulkheads, they're actually unsinkable. So then the media labeled White Star Line as unsinkable. And then Bruce Ismay, being that guy, was like, yeah, you're probably right. This thing is unstoppable. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, Titanic and Olympic, they were built around the same time, correct? Yes, like within like a year, year and a half, there were yeah. one completed, the other one went. There's a and then the Britannic was after. Right, yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's one picture, there's only one picture that I've ever found of both the Olympic and the Titanic together. They actually are on the water together, and I really want it like framed. Like It's such a cool it's shot. A it's a beautiful shot. I, I think those ships are very pleasing to the eyes. Yeah, especially because they're pretty much identical to each other. They actually had to paint the hull of the Olympic white uh, to differentiate the two ships while they were building them. And then, of course, when they uh, finished them, they painted them to look pretty much the same. They just, you know, one says Olympic, one says Titanic, as they do. So, yeah, this is, you know, uh, we meet Molly Brown and the she's what they call new money because her husband like found a silver mine or something like that. And so she's not part of like old money. So like not a lot of the rich ladies like like associating themselves with her, which I would love to hang out with Molly Brown or Kathy Bates. I, either or is I'm cool with. So, yeah, then we get the small dick joke, which was just, oh, man, I laughed out loud on that. Uh, Jack saves Rose from killing herself because she just does not want to live this life. She is feeling trapped. She has no support from anyone. Her mother, you know, Cal is definitely just doesn't want anything to do with her other than the fact that he's going to get money out of it. So she said, well, it, I think it's time for me to go. So she goes to the back of the ship and she is going to jump and Jack shows up. And he casually tries to talk her down, but then he like retells a story about him falling through the ice when he was a kid. And uh, also he like takes his shoes off in his jacket, which will play into something right after this. And uh, he ends up talking her out of it, but she slips and he saves her, but it catches the attention of people to the point where the people think that he's assaulting her, but she stands up for him. She's like, no, 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 that's not what happened. And to the point though, where after everything's all said and done and, he gets invited to dinner. Lovejoy is like, oh, so it was it was a spur of the moment thing. But yeah, you had enough time to take off your jacket and your shoes. Like, oh, fucking Lovejoy, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so Cal, this is when Cal gives Rose the heart of the ocean. Well, he kind of just shows it to her, lets her wear it. And she immediately does not like it because she even states it like in the the present day section of the movie that it was heavy and just bulky. Like it was just not something you, you'd want to wear. And it, he threatens her in the most calming way possible where he's just like, 
you're going to do pretty much whatever I tell you to do. We're, you're going to make this work. Like, I don't want to hear any issues or you're going to have, we're going to have, you're going to have a big problem, but in just such the, the calming, subtle way where it's terrifying because Billy Zane plays it off so well. I don't think they could have had a better actor for that character than Billy Zane. He, he portrays this, this is going to sound bad. This like toxic masculinity that is almost here comes. This is, this is where people go, shut up. It's almost sexy. And he gets away with it. You know what? Thank you for shaking your head. Yes. (laughs) But he's such, he's so good at playing a villain like you guys have mentioned earlier and i couldn't picture a better person playing cal yeah he he definitely kills this role it's so sad though like his his career kind of didn't go much of anywhere after this movie i mean he's continued to act up until today i mean he's still he's still acting but he's very like he's in b B b-rated movies straight to video like he just this was like his last big movie at least from what i've seen he suffered yeah. like Buffalo Bill syndrome, like the guy that played Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. where he did the role so well that people thought that was actually him. And then he couldn't get roles except for like Flubber. <laughs> I hate that. I hate when people go, uh, I, I can't cast this guy because of a role he played. So you mean you can't, you're not going to cast him because of a job that he did so, so well? So well. Exactly. So stupid. Exactly. Like when you find somebody that plays a role so well that you hate them. You've done your job. Mm-hmm. Have you? Have we seen the the actor who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones since uh, exactly. his role in that? No, because like, everyone looks at him as Joffrey, and it's like, no, he's exactly he, he's a exactly. damn good actor because he played that character so well. And I yes. didn't even see the damn show; I just knew who he was and how good he was in it, and how everyone <laughs> hated him. But you find that person that plays that role, and yeah, you can you can cast them in every bad guy role Mm -hmm. but then you get somebody that is like um robin williams and you never know if you're gonna if you're gonna get that comedic bad guy until you put them in that role you have to put them in it to find out what they can do robin williams and i think i immediately thought of that exactly one hour photo you, or insomnia with Al Pacino. You find out what they can do when you put them in it. Mm-hmm. That's but true. It's it sucks that people get kind of like it like almost blacklisted because of a role. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I, I did my job so well. I can't get jobs anymore. But I hate it. Like, give them a chance. The historians on the set on the Cameron movie set said that Billy Zane was method acting. So when they would walk by him, they would see him with that like pompous attitude and they yeah. talked to him and they and they realized he's just method acting, but a lot of the extras didn't know that. So they thought he was a dick, yeah. but no, he's just a really invested actor. I hate method acting. I really do. I just, especially <laughs> current method acting and hearing from uh, about different actors, especially Jared Leto. I feel like he's like a prime example of like bad method acting where it's like, you just take yeah. it too far, bro. Like, stop when you, it. <laughs> when you take it to the point where people are like. Like, I'm uncomfortable just, being around you. And it's yeah, not because of you your role. Up, it's because you're just a weirdo. Like, just get away from yeah. like, you, like, I, you, I, can, you can method act and be in that role. But when you start making people uncomfortable. 
maybe you may be taking it a little too far. Yeah. And that's where Billy Zane was fine. He has like resting bitch face. But as soon as someone <laughs> would come up and talk to him, they would realize how amazing yes. he was. And that's what the historian he said. Does. They're like, when no one's talking to him, he looks like he's just bitchy. But as soon as they <laughs> say, hey, Billy, he's like, I'm Billy Zane. You're like, oh, you're awesome. <laughs> yes. I just feel like a lot of this is really hitting home for me because I feel like I just got like, I look pissed off when I'm not talking to people. Like and people don't know me. And it's just how I come off. <laughs> me like, too. It, I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we have a, I have a girl that I work with and I've actually had a customer come up and ask her what's wrong with her. And she's just like, ah, I have RBF. <laughs> it's like at least you admit it's to a curse sometimes oh, it's so funny <laughs> it's genetics leave me alone <laughs> so we get to rose and jack having a conversation uh but then to the point where jack just straight up is like do you love do you love him and she's like that's a rude thing to ask uh that of me yeah and she's like i think i'm gonna go now but then like takes his drawings and looks at him he's like wow these are really good yeah she's like what is this yeah, I, like, like, I would have literally been like, "Excuse me, can I have those back, please?" So yeah, what gives you the fucking shit? right? Just because I saved your life doesn't mean you could steal shit from me. Yeah. And then uh, to say, "These are these are actually quite good." It's like, oh, thanks, bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Like, right. And then, and then, like the fact, like trying to insinuate that he like slept with one of the uh, models that he was drawing, because like, oh, well, there's a. You, you drew her, you know, many times. And he's like, yeah, because she was just a good model. She was a one-legged, one-legged prostitute. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Never mind then. Oh, that, that changes oh, okay. everything. Does it? Apparently. <laughs> At that time, Dan, in 1912. Leg. You still got the other. <laughs> you're not it standing different... up while you're doing it anyway. <laughs> no, in theory. In it theory. Was, it was the time, Dan. <laughs> I love yeah. the time. Because I like they don't even show the picture though, but there was a picture in there of like showing she only had one leg. It's like, oh, oh, okay. What did I just think of fucking uh, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo? Oh no, I know what you're yeah, talking you, about. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, Ashley? Yeah. I do, yeah. Yes! No! <laughs> I can't see it now. He like kisses up her calf and comes off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminds me of an episode of Friends when Joey like throws a girl's leg into the fire because he didn't know that she had a wooden leg. Oh, Jesus. Dude, now I just don't. Now, you, see, now you, just, you just caused a rabbit hole. I just oh, think of that. No. that this episode is going to be four hours long, guys. Oh. It is. It's the addition Joey goes to where he's trying to make himself look what uncircumcised or circumcised. Yes, he has, and like, uses the like the Play Doh and the bologna yeah. thing that it's just, just falls off. So fucking good. Oh god, I could literally talk about friends all day. Um, so none of the rich ladies. This movie's three hours long. I know. know. Will this episode be as long as the movie? I really hope not. Um, none of the rich ladies want to hang out with Molly Brown because she's new money, as we stated before. Uh, Ismay tells the captain to get the ship to go faster, and he's like, "I feel we're doing pretty good, guy." And he's like, "I own this ship. I blah." And I was like, "You're a fucking idiot." I am the captain now. Yeah, yeah, like, he's like, dude, we're ahead, of, we're ahead of schedule anyway. Yeah, what the fuck's it matter? It's for headlines. Like if they, if yeah, they would have stayed the course that they were at, they probably wouldn't have been in this predicament. Yeah. Well, they had also gotten reports way earlier about the fact of but like the, uh, six the Bergfields. They've yeah, they got like six um, warnings beforehand. 
Yeah, like, there were seven, and seven. the first one was on the 12th. Like, it was yeah. coming in hot. They definitely should have Don't get me listened. started on that. <laughs> Godzilla was in one of those. He was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ever cover King Kong versus Godzilla, I'm going to make a Titanic reference. I, I imagine that. Be wild. Uh, so Jack tells Rose about his exciting life and she is jealous. She wants to have that free spirited life, even though he's not, even though he's poor, you know, he still has a more, an exciting life because he's not restrained by society, man. He's not restrained by the man. She doesn't care about money. No, she just wants to have fun. She wants to live her life. She's 17, by the way. Yeah. And then, uh, they have a spitting contest. Let's see who can yeah, spit gotta... the farthest. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, the historians hated. They didn't like that scene. They didn't think it would fit. But James Cameron was like, "No, no, it'll it'll work for later on in the film." And And they ended up saying, "Yeah." So that was it. Does does have a payoff? So you are right. I can't wait to get to that scene because there's a little fun behind the scenes of that. Uh, But yeah, they get caught by the the mom shows up, and I like how Molly Molly kind of like a like takes Jack in. She's like a surrogate mother to him because every time he needs help with something, she's kind of there to be like, come on, I'm going to get you a suit. Hey, you got some spit right there. I'm going to want to wipe that up. Which is she's like his, she's his, his intermediate between the two cultures. Right. Yeah. But she does. She does mention that he's like her son. Well, yeah, because the suit is like he fits into her son's suit. Yeah. So I'm she's like projecting onto him like that's her kid. I, I'm assuming that her son wasn't with. It was just her and her it was husband. Ju- it was or her. No, it her was just. She was, she was the only one. She didn't have anybody with her. See, she wanted to go on that cruise by herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a trailblazer. Yeah, yeah. she was. She, she also. Was awesome. She probably well for the creative sense, re- like related with Jack because she was new money, right? And mm-hmm. she was treated different, and she saw that Jack was going to get treated different. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's a gem. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, she she fits him up for the dinner, and then he goes out, and we get the first scene of him kind of waiting at the staircase, and Cal just walks right by him, like dick he is, <laughs> and yes. to the point where Drose comes down, and you know they they meet with Cal, and Cal turns like, oh, I didn't even it was like I didn't even recognize you, you know, you almost look like a gentleman. Like the thing is, it's like Jack is so like he just expects all these comments from Cal. So he doesn't like react like I feel most people would just like fucking punch you in the face, man. Instead, he's just like, (laughs) whatever, man, you say whatever you want. I don't care. Like (laughs) because he goes to the dinner and like they're trying to show him how to prop be like proper when he eats. You know, he's got the fucking the whole layout with the three forks and all that. And he's like, oh, what do I do? And she's like, just start from the outside. Go in. And I would be the same yeah, way. I would like, too. Oh, uh, oh no! Why is there so many silverware? Like <laughs> fork and knife and spoon. Like give me that, and I'm good. Yeah. And it just gets to the point where he's having the conversation. He then gets into a conversation with everybody at the table, and he gets comfortable. So he's like starting to do things like naturally to him, like you know, eating the bread a certain way, or just talking with his mouth full, or whatever it may be. But everybody's kind of into it too, and Cal's just like. Yeah. Just over there with his fucking face. Shut up, man. Being he doesn't say anything. I just still tell him to shut up. Bosses him a lighter when he's pretending not to care. He's like, oh, I, I got yeah. you. Oh, I love it. I love the contrast. 
did anybody catch the Nickelodeon line that Jack yes! says? We talked about this. Yes. We talked about this. We had to actually look it up. I, no, to, I knew it I was did too. I did not yeah, know. It was a word I did not know it was a word like an old because I had like to rewind word. it. I was I like, know, like my wife caught it. We were watching and he and he said, I saw this on a Nick at a Nickelodeon show once. And Leave my wife's my wife's like, did, she, did he just say Nickelodeon? What? Yeah. What? And so I was like, yeah. I don't know. I didn't hear it. So I rewound it, heard it again. Then I had to look it up. Yeah, it's just an old it's a it's a a show you would pay like a nickel, nickel. for. Yeah. So and cool. a melodeon or whatever. Yeah, was it's, the... it's a, between a nickel and a melodeon and they meshed them together. And Ashley, whatever. did you know that? No, but thank you for telling me. I, I, was, I, I knew it. I'm glad we all discovered something. <laughs> I knew. I, knew so I was like, wait a minute. A, I knew it was a term before, like it was a network. Somebody didn't just pull that out. Of I know. There. I, I know was, it was based like, on something. I just they, never knew what it meant. I didn't know what it meant either. So that we had. I to was look like, up how that. long has Nickelodeon been around? <laughs> that was my first because I heard it and I thought I'm like, damn, I should really go back and check this one out, but I never yeah. did. You find out Rugrats. You know, we grew up watching this as a reboot from like the 1920s <laughs> or some shit. From 1911. <laughs> See, you gotta get back for it. You know, it could be before the boat, though, because the term didn't show up to the late 1800s. Well, it's like um, Nintendo. I was like, have yeah, you they've really been, been around, around since around the 1800s. Long? And I'm like, yeah. I had to read into that too. All so, and cards and all they sorts were, of, yeah. cards. We then, before the dinner, though, I, I skipped past it, but uh, Rose is introducing Jack to all like the rich people. And uh, we meet John Jacob Astor, who is the who was the richest man on the boat. And it was true. And his wife was 18. Five months pregnant. Yes. Wild. That was his, his second wife. Yeah. And uh, it was played by Eric. Braden. Right? No. No. Was it? Who took, oh, Hang on. I, I'm pretty sure I it was, actually was. No, it says something about it being his mistress, but I think it was his second wife. I, mean, I think they played it off as him being. Yeah, they make a kind of a scandalous thing that happened on in the movie. Because like yeah. J.P. Morgan was supposed to be on the boat, and Hershey Milton was supposed to be on the boat, and like somebody else was supposed to be on the like super rich people were supposed to be on this, but they missed their they missed their the loading or whatever, and they were touted as the. They were touted as something. Um, Too busy doing their fucking jobs. No, it was like the it was like the almost the almost group that was on. Shoot, I just There's, it's kind of like um, it it's kind of like with nine eleven, like uh, Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, and Mark Wahlberg were actually supposed to be on one of the flights. But then I, there was probably other ones too, but it was just I guess one of those things where they, uh, yeah, they both had missed their flight. Almost Which is wild. It was something like that. But um, he was up. played. John Jacob Astor was played by Eric Braden, who I thought was the guy from Beetlejuice who played Alec Baldwin's boss. But actually, he's he's the he's a guy who's been on like Young and the Restless for like fifty years, and oh. plays like the same character. <laughs> I'm like, I I was like, is that no? And I just looked it up, and I was like, oh, he was that's that guy because my mom, my mom used to watch Young and the Restless all the damn time. Yes. So we then get Jack leaving because all the men are going to go do their thing where they hang out, smoke, Brandy, talk about business. Brandy and cigars. Yep. And Jack's like, I'm going to go. But then slips Rose a note and says, yeah, hey, if you want to go to a real party, 
come come uh, meet me at uh, I don't remember what time it was, but just meet her at the clock or meet like him at the clock. Thirty or something. Yeah, I would definitely want to be at the real party. Hell yeah, this party I'm was drinking. Awesome. You get, hang out with yes. a bunch of, you, get, you get to hang out with a bunch of Irish people and drink a lot? And they know how to drink. I mean, I got to hang out with my fucking relatives, man. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck that. Let's go so to the room for a while. So yeah, they go to the bottom of the ship and there's a, they, they get to dance. No, I have to find that. Rose does a very painful ballet move without ballet shoes. No wonder uh, it hurt. You don't do that move without your shoes. Uh, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I've tried that before. It's not I, like I used to be able to do it as a kid. What she did, because mm-hmm. I was like, "Ooh, I could do that too." I thought that was kind of cool. And Mm-mm. and Lovejoy catches them, because of course Cal sends them to yeah to spy on them. I hate to be the Debbie Downer for this for the people who enjoy the romance aspect of this movie, but the Titanic was so segregated according to classes oh, yeah. that Rose wouldn't have even been able to meet any third class passenger yep. and oh, they wouldn't even allow a first class let alone second class passenger to even go down into third class yeah. they weren't even third class wasn't even allowed on deck i believe it wow it's yep. sad especially when it comes to the sinking but... class of society brother yep so cal is pissed because he finds out where rose went he uh he tosses a table and originally, people thought this was uh, an ad lib scene by Billy Zane, but he was like, "Nah, this couldn't. I couldn't have just done that on the spot without her knowing, especially with all the shit that flies off that table." Oh, like, yeah. it was kind of one of those things where it, it was like she knew it was going to come, but like not know exactly when. So her like her reaction was kind of genuine. And this is when. This is when Rose's mom kind of breaks it all down. The fact of like, we, uh, we were left, your dad left us with debt. So like, you need to do this. You need to marry Cal so we can get our lives back together. Okay. I know this isn't what you want. I know this isn't the most ideal thing, but it's the best option we have. She's still, she still sucks. (laughs) This is when Rose walks with Andrews and they're talking about the lifeboats. And he tells her the fact that there's less than half the lifeboats needed because, well, I don't feel like we're not going to need them, you know. And the whole thing was that they, it would have made the it would it would have too much clutter, too much clutter on the on the ship. So in order for it to look really nice, you got to make some sacrifices, and that's the thing that'll save lives or you know at least attempt. Fuck the poor. Good job yeah. there, that's pretty much Brucey. <laughs> So John Jacob Astor was on his honeymoon with his second wife, who mm-hmm. was 28 years younger than him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, he had it says he had been divorced uh, less than two years from his first wife. So it does sound like my family. <laughs> yep. And uh, all I know is that he tried. <laughs> he got his wife onto one of the lifeboats and tried to get on himself. And they actually like forced him off. They ended up. Being yeah. one of the casualties. He he just needed to be like the other guys that made it on that dressed like women. That didn't his, happen. Sorry. His, his wife could have No, it didn't. Oh, I didn't even his, know that was a thing, to be honest. No, she's correct. It is a it is a myth that goes around, but they didn't find any bodies yeah. or people on the Carpathian dressed. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Glad you I'm glad you pointed that out though. That's important. That is something to that be is honest, t- I had never heard. That is totally something I believe people would try to do. Yeah. So it's shocking that. It yeah. Happen. I mean, 
um, Cal does not dress as a woman, yeah. but he does the whole kid thing. She, yeah, I got a kid, damn it! <laughs> no, like, the only what, thing she has left. I like I was like, I got a, I, I, yeah, he he does the whole thing where he takes a kid and he he expects like they're gonna take both of them. It's like no, they're kid. just gonna take the kid. <laughs> Such a dumbass. Oh, like man. like that that whole point, I was like, what's he gonna do when he gets to where they're going? Like he's just gonna like, oh, there you go. Who's, Here's your kid. Isn't this your like, kid? Nah, I nope. just found him. Bye. Yeah. That was a big. A lot of the witnesses and survivors said that when it came to the last like thirty minutes of the ship sinking. There were so many kids because they were scared. They were running away. You were losing them in the crowd. You couldn't hear anything. So I could imagine that probably could have happened. But it actually wasn't as difficult to get on a lifeboat as they were making it in the film. Just nobody wanted to get on a lifeboat. I explain it in my episode of Lullaby. Sorry. Well, I mean, I guess you see that later. No, you see all like the rich folks like... Why do we got our? I don't remember what fucking name they have for them. They're life preservers. They have some fucking old timey term for it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they have the life preservers. It's not like life jackets. It's, no, uh, it's something oh, else. Um, yes, yeah, like something else. I don't know. Anyway, but they're all like inside and like just inside of it. And, like they're getting all the boats ready life and then, like nobody's life, life belts. belts. And like nobody's going outside. And, like, I mean, of course, was... in hindsight, we could look at it differently. But yeah, but I think a lot of, a lot of them were were like, oh, you're just making a big deal out of nothing. Exactly. A lot of the survivors, well, they believe that the ship was unsinkable, right? And it was cold outside. And the only people who really felt the ship hit an iceberg were those that were very close to the starboard side when it happened. (laughs) Because higher out of the water, they didn't feel any of the turbulence. And when it came to like getting people on the lifeboats with like this engine stopping that caused a pressure buildup, which means all the steam had to be released from the smokestacks. That sound is beyond the word deafening. So for two people to lower a life, a lifeboat, I was thinking of life preserver. Yes. A lifeboat. They were having trouble even screaming at the other person. So that's another reason why it was going down jerky. Right. And people were seeing this and they're like, well, the ship's not sinking. Like, and then plus, light, like huge rescues weren't a thing back then. They didn't think that it was even plausible. So like, okay, so we're going to go into the lifeboat and we're going to sit in the ocean for hours. No one's going to rescue us. So it was like, well, I might as well just stay on the ship as long as I can. Yeah. It's, it's insane how it all went down, especially like when, they, when it all happens and they, only, they know they only have a couple hours from impact to its sinking. And the uh, radio control guy comes out and he's just like, yeah, the we got like, I got a hold of the Carpathia. They're the closest four hours away. And the captain's like four hours. And he's just like, well, we're fucked. Like, yeah, people are going to die. And it was one of those things where like, that's, I think, why Andrews, one of the reasons why Andrews doesn't even bother trying to get on a life on a lifeboat, because he knows like he's partially to blame everything because he knew as soon as as soon as he knew the ship was going to go down he's like i'm going down with it because if i know people are going to die i'm going to die with them so back before all that we then uh, jack kind of like brings her into the gym and this is like trying to persuade her to leave cal she's like no 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 get away from me and leaves and then like she changes her mind drastically and meets him at the front of the at the front of the ship 
and uh i'm sorry if i'm offending anyone who's big into boats like i'm sorry i get bow, bow, bow and stern confused all the time so it's the front of the ship um is the okay well, I'm gonna forget, so I'm just gonna say front of the ship or back of the ship. So I apologize to anyone I who's can't, like, I can't get star. It's starboard and yeah, I, whatever the other. I can't get. I can't left and right. I you mean, I still me have to do fourteen times in a row, and I will forget after you tell me the fourteenth time. I still have to left and right with my hands because I'm left-handed. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, like. So yeah, she meets she meets Jack at the front of the ship, and she kind of changes her mind, and he brings her up and uh you know she she's flying oh flying and then they make out and That's gross. we then transition <laughs> back to <laughs> damn it i'm sorry her chuckle is coming fuck we then transition <laughs> to the, the back to the modern day and uh this is when everybody is kind of just like in awe of the story yeah they're crying except like... except for bill paxton <laughs> Like Ashley said before, he doesn't give a fuck about any of this. <laughs> he just wants like to know where that damn diamond is. Like you, her granddaughter's like, oh, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Her jaws dropped, and everybody's like, this to her. I'm like, get away. Well, like if I'm telling a story, telling you a story, oh, so I'm funny. like, get out of my face. So we then go back to. Titanic when she asks Jack to draw her like one of his French girls. Like that was a big difference between her still loving Cal. Loving... She didn't. Yeah, it was a no. whole thing. I know she didn't. She was trying to play the game. She she has she knows she has to marry him. Yeah. From from going from that to oh I'm gonna get naked in front of you. Yeah. Like. I think of it like think of it this way, like you said, playing the game. It's like when you have to sell like boardwalk to somebody in Monopoly. No. To get that three space thing, right? So two space is less hits. You get the three space. I don't know, just Pacific whatever color it's not two. You have to trade it. So you gotta do that thing. You don't wanna do it, but you gotta. So you talk yourself into making it okay. That's great, a horrible analogy. Great analogy. No, I was just like fucking great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But it was one of the yeah, she she says that and it's one of the things where she's like talking about how she's gonna wear the diamond and only the diamond, and he's just like, Oh, oh okay. And uh, so she comes so she comes in and she, she disrobes. And it's one of those things where he stutters on what he's trying to tell her. Like he's trying to tell her to go sit in the chair, but instead like he's trying to tell her to go to the couch. That was on purpose. Like that was an actual yes. slip up from Leonardo DiCaprio to the point where James Cameron's like, I like it. Let's keep it in there. Yes. Well, like I've read that that was, it was uh, a, a whoopsie. Yeah. Also, uh, when Kate Winslet found out that she was going to be doing a nude scene with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, instead of kind of doing it that day, she just randomly flashed him one day. Okay. All right. Break the ice, I What's guess. The... Done Apparently done. she did it more than once. <laughs> just imagine this dude like eating and just looks over and he's like. Why are you here's, here's something Why are you... I've, I've always wanted to point out because people I remember being in like middle school and high school and people talking about Titanic. And of course, you know, being a teenage boy and there's nudity. It's like the greatest thing ever. But like no one talked about like everybody used to like downplay the fact that like Kate Winslet's a beautiful woman. And people used to just not give her the credit she deserved. All right. Kate Winslet. Gorgeous. 
people used to always like I I people used to make fun of her. Like they like she wasn't pretty and like she was ugly and I was like, what are we watching? What is wrong watching with you? The, same movie? What the fuck is She's wrong? Beautiful. With you? I don't know. Maybe it's just, I just I just want to I just wanted to, Billy I just wanted to point naked. that out. Well, Billy Zane walks in naked. He's like Jack. I Pay would like one of your friends. I would still be got, as intrigued as is. But he's got he's got like the the heart of whatever the heart of the ocean just like on his dick. And he's just, I need no. dangling over his cod piece. Absolutely. I need Titanic bloopers and that to be one of them. Yeah, like, yes. he's like he's re- he's ready and he like turns around. It's Billy Zane naked walking in, and it's not. It's, oh my god, it'd be fucking wonderful. Yes, I need that. <sighs> Yes. The deleted scene everyone wanted. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Yes. So <laughs> I mean you got you got the um uh Leonardo DiCaprio's butt in Romeo and Juliet. Like why can't you see Billy Zane? Yeah, I've seen that too. I've butt seen that movie. In Titanic. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not surprised. Leonardo Reboot. DiCaprio. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> it's still a butt. It doesn't matter what year it's in. No, see, uh, well, you know, we'll talk about. Well, listen, we'll talk about it here in a minute. When we just there's another scene coming I up. Mean, it's going to lead to some shit. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> this movie is technically a reboot. Yes. It's a historical reenactment. Yeah, I mean, there was a the biggest one I think before was a night to remember, which <laughs> I read the book as a kid. Such a good book. So the yeah, so he draws her. And then they have to run away from Lovejoy because he shows up randomly, but he forgot his pictures. Pictures. The we then cut up to uh, the court, the, the to the deck where the captain is being told about the icebergs. He's just like, ah. oh, fuck me. It, it seems it's fine. It's fine. like, should we slow down just in case? He's like, nah, we're gonna stay at this course. Oh. We're gonna. I'm gonna go to bed. So if you need me, that's where I'll be. And it's like. Oh, and, and just like Murdoch's face, he's just like, oh, okay. And that, he's like, in fact, he's already like, terrified fact, something bad is going to happen. But wasn't there a rumor that he had been like drinking or something? Everybody's been drinking on the Titanic. But no, he's a he's the captain though. That he had like been drinking or something, and that was the cause of him needing to sleep or whatever. Like he fell asleep, didn't need to sleep, but fell asleep. I don't know if that was even the same. That could have been a different captain of a different boat. I want yeah, to say that that's something that I read. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot about Captain Smith that, that you can catch on the Lullaby Fear podcast. So we get the <laughs> we get the uh, the Lovejoy chasing Jack and Rose throughout the ship. You could even go downstairs to the boiler room, which I find funny. And to the point where they get into like where they the cargo hold where they have like everybody's like valuables down there. There's like cars and just massive things. So they decide to go into one of the cars and they do the deed. Do the dirty. And that's when you get like the iconic like sweaty hands on the window and, and hey, they're f- breathing hot air. That hot air, you know. So I got a comment on this scene. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. Damn it. Satire humor. Here we go. <laughs> I love just, it. It's just it's the fact that we cannot see your face and we just hear the giggling. I just hear it. I'm like, it's just 
Throws me off. I'm like, fuck. It's great. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 it's great. No, no, no. So, so listen. I have a fat. I have so when when like here it is. Like it's the scene where the hand hits the glass, right? Uh I was like, I've been thinking about this whole fucking podcast. Like, how is this actually playing out? And it's one of two things, and I think the first one's correct. Obviously, the thing is, it's supposed to be you know Kate Winslet's hand or whatever. Mm -hmm. I refuse to believe that because as rambunctious as this woman is and how outspoken she is for the time, there's no fucking way she's a bottom. It's never going to happen. It's totally (laughs) DiCaprio's hand because he's like nutting so hard because this woman's just destroying (laughs) him, right? I mean, he is so exhausted when they cut back into inside the car. He's like... (sighs) And like how... how, like, 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 wow! How stifled he is. She just walks up. She's just like, she's just casually just laying there like... She's just smoking a cigarette. That was great, Jack. And he's like... He, he just acting like he just ran a fucking marathon. Hold on, having a heart attack. But it makes you it makes you think about all the times you've ever had sex. It's like, have I ever hit the wall? <laughs> okay, yeah. Exactly. Like, how fucking good is he at giving it this? Because although I've never thought oh. about it until right now, yes, he didn't deserve to die if that's what's going on. Because right. there was. Right. E- he put more effort into that orgasm than he did trying to get on that damn door. Can I get an amen? Yes, yes. Amen. So, secondly, I don't know, you know, what the whole thing is, but I'm I'm doubting the dude pulled out, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't God, even know what that word just... means. But anyway, <laughs> but listen, dude. We no, we're just we digging ain't... a deep hole. We're just, we're digging it. We ain't weigh an anchor on this motherfucker, dude. We are in. I mean, <laughs> being married to this one makes you think a lot about sex scenes in oh, no. movies. It sh- and secondly, it shouldn't have been like his hand. This way, we could have confirmed it was Leonardo DiCaprio. It just like his, no, his ass. Just on the window and just like shriek down. He uh, couldn't well, get away with that. Then you would have seen the dongleberry. I don't know. It's all about the camera angle. I mean, listen, if this dude wants to show off, like, if you have, like, a pair of cheeks and, like, a small little bag here in the bottom that's <laughs> streaking up, I mean, people are going to, like, overlook that. I assure uh, you. He would have anyway. to, like, I- I'm going to go by physics here. He'd have to, like, scrape <clears throat> up. He couldn't go down because then you would lose the balls with the butt going down. But if you went up. <laughs> I know. That's true. That's true. So it's just, like, it hits and it just goes up. Uh. I hate that I'm scientifically breaking this down. No, I think it's Listen, we, we, we break down sex scenes probably more than any scene in movies, if there are one. <laughs> I try my hardest. I, uh, I gotta get my one. I gotta get my one. Yeah, oh, Look, no, on. no. This is because this is right where right where they um, hit the um, it was right after iceberg. It was right after. Yeah, when I, they went upstairs. I, I said I said that they uh had sex so hard that they made the ship hit the yeah, ice. They park. did. It's like I stopped steering fast enough. <laughs> oh, fucking down there, damn it! And so. the boat's not a rocking. Don't come a knocking. That's you right. know. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody did. Yeah, because this oh, is man. when because right after the scene they go back up and uh, two of the crewmen are talking about like binoculars and like oh yeah I haven't seen them since we you know we left and it's like that's not good. Yeah, if right. you are the lookout, you need to have all your equipment. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you really want to know a really interesting backstory on those binoculars, it goes back to EJ Smith, him crashing the Olympic, and a series of events that I I discussed in my episode. I don't like plugging my episode, but I'm not trying to blow up your episode with a bunch of random facts. We're going to plug shit out of your episode in this episode. We just heard DiCaprio and shit plugging stuff, so you might as fucking well. (laughs) (laughs) Plug something hard. Drink. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I was curious about why. Okay, so they're like binoculars. So there's like one pair of binoculars on the whole boat, and apparently um, nobody can find. It. Yeah. So I'll try and short story this as much as I can. So when EJ Smith crashed the Olympic into that old ship or into the other ship, he was going on the Titanic to act as a captain. But because all the crew for the Olympic couldn't work on that ship because he was getting repaired. EJ had to work them into the crew on the Titanic, which caused a shuffle around in officers. And the officer that they ended up having to get rid of was the one who had the only key to the the binoculars inside of the locker. But because he was so pissed off that EJ Smith kicked him off, he just walked out. He didn't do it intentionally. He just completely forgot and took the keys with him. So the keys were left in basically port. And so they didn't have any. And they brought it up during the Titanic trials. Yeah. Like, oh, the story behind the Titanic before it even left, like, port is insanity. It's like the first, I want to say, 40 minutes of my Titanic episode. It's crazy. That's a massive fuck up and a half. Like, it was cursed to begin with because, like, people died while they were building the ship. Yeah, but how many people died making ships back then? A lot. uh, Yeah, a lot. But, like, when you have, like, this succession of events before it even like I wouldn't have yeah, I would have been like bye no. I'd have sold my ticket yeah. they didn't have their OSHA overlords to make sure that fucking yeah. yeah so I mean there was a lot of not safe working conditions for <laughs> yeah. everything yeah like I hate looking at pictures of people that are building like skyscrapers and oh, what not mm-hmm. and like they're not even they're no, yeah. nothing. They're just sitting there eating lunch. Yeah, it's the... got this sandwich. Like, what's down there? I don't know. Sixty stories before it hit the concrete. I... Like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, they they go upstairs because they're running away because they actually sent like crew guys down there to try to catch them, and uh, they too... get yeah they get up to the yeah. deck and the crow's nest guys are like distracted. Like that, they're trying to play it off like they were distracted a little bit, and so they maybe caught the iceberg just a little too late. I mean, I I hate that they they did them dirty that way. Yeah, I really did. They were yeah. looking hard because they couldn't see the growlers in the water. Yeah, and of course, when I mean, this is a tense scene, and when they 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 tell them that the berg's there, they gotta they gotta go hard. Uh. I think it was a hard is a hard port, right? So port is to the left. left. Left, yeah. So they they go hard port, and of course, like it's not just them just turning the wheel and turning the ship. Like they gotta like send the the signal down there with the fucking levers and all that. I'm like, this is a process. Yeah, and all my yeah. tea break down there. Like, yeah. oh, oh shit! Because <laughs> they have to send their signal down to below deck. Mm-hmm. And then the below deck has to relay it to whoever can hear. So whoever can hear 
has to relay it to the next person. Yeah. And like, yep. yeah, and that's why it took, they seen it at 1139, they hit the iceberg at 1140. Like yep. that 37 seconds that Murdoch had was, the fact that he was able to just come up with something is impressive. Yeah. Because I would have panicked. Oh, absolutely. And you could tell he was slightly panicked. Uh, especially oh, yeah. in the movie, well, yeah. like especially like when everything is all said and done, you just and you see that the ship is just going directly straight into this iceberg, but it's like slowly That's moving to the left, and he's just like turn, 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 <laughs> and then to the point where it's like it looks like it's it's gonna miss it, but then you just you, you yeah. just see the, the the bottom just tear into the ship, and um and I think the the worst is not just like everybody's feeling it like andrews feels it you can his like chandelier shaking and everything but it's it's everybody down below because it tears into the ship and it's just water just comes rushing in and just takes people off their feet and yeah. then of course Mur uh, murdoch has to make the decision to shut all of the watertight doors which oh. which uh, which would trap some like if people can't get out fast enough they're trapped in there that whole scene where they're trying to get out and the one guy almost gets gets his legs taken off. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I? I gotta ask. Since we've all seen this movie, and those of you listening, I've seen this movie so many times, and every single time I watch it, I think they're miraculously not gonna hit the iceberg. Right? Does that happen to you guys? Every time. Every you fucking see it. time. You see it. You're rooting for him. Like, come on, come on, come on. I, because... I happen to get the the LimeWire version where they messed it up and they miss it and that's yeah. the, end of the movie and it's all good. Because you have you see the iceberg and you see the front of the ship and you're like, oh, the sh the front of the ship is like five feet from the iceberg, but you also don't take into account what's below deck. Yeah, eighty five percent of an iceberg size is below the waterline. Yeah. Like which I is hate terrifying. That's terrifying. I, yeah, I hate looking at those pictures because you're like. Shit. That's how Godzilla fit. Cause you see like what five five to ten feet of the top of an iceberg and then there's like twenty-five to thirty feet below and you're like, mm, yep. Yeah. Yeah, the iceberg they hit was four hundred feet wide and eighty or sixty to eighty feet in height because it was higher than the crow's nest, which is one of the reasons why it took them so long to see it, because it was pitch black out, there was no moon, barely any stars, nothing to reflect the water hitting the bottom. So that scene when you're watching it and you're like, what is that? And then all of a sudden you're like, ugh, like stomach dropping. That, oh, I freaked myself out right there. That was and really scary. You, and when you know color theory, you know white does not reflect like it should. Yeah, they saw nothing there. Like, even, like, that was another thing I'll t I talk about in my episode is the peculiar weather conditions that night. It was... It was just a force to be reckoned with. It was inevitable, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. There's also uh -huh. uh, different accounts on like how it actually hit the iceberg. Cause like in this, I feel is like the most gentle way possible. Like it just, it goes alongside the, the iceberg and it, the, it like it just tears into it. And there's actually, there was actually reports that it actually hit it to the point where the, t where the ship actually like kind of tipped in a way. And it like rode the the iceberg, and then as it got back, like as it left the iceberg, it like straightened itself out. I was like, that would have been even more terrifying. I mean, this whole night is terrifying, but that would have been way worse. Like, there's actually paintings 
that people have done of the Titanic literally like hat like on its side as it's hitting the iceberg. I'm like, oh my god. Like actually physically knowing what this could be like, like nah. I think the I think the choice they went with in the movie just making it the more gentle yeah. just reassured people's yeah lack of preparedness. Even though they, they seem like they are, but they're not really for the or or full grasp of the situation. Cause the the guy that designed the ship, he's just sitting there drinking his wine and he's like, Oh, oh well, that's well, something that's James Cameron. He discussed it with he discussed it with the historians. Uh the lot of the survivors, they do not recall it actually hitting. Like it was so subtle that it was like a little hum. Because Andrews, when he was talking to, he was talking to the captain, and Light Taller was near him. He recalled being shocked that it hit an iceberg because he didn't feel it. So that scene where they show the glass and the the thing going, like the light fixture moving, yeah, he didn't even know. He just happened to go outside and be like, "What's going on?" And that's how almost everybody felt it it was it was really crazy actually i can relate to this because when i was in high school we had a we had an earthquake and i just assumed it was helicopter or plane because the house shook and i could hear things but i just assumed that it was a helicopter just by the noise it made 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 i like make words words <laughs> so i just assumed so i could as, i can see why they assumed that you know this why he would assume that him sitting there and his his wine moving like it did was nothing to be worried about like i didn't find out that it was an earthquake until the next day yeah but no go ahead I mean, you got to think how large, even by the time, but even today, it's still big. A massive boat has it's all, a shit ton of material to absorb that amount of shock. So, yeah, yeah, but just the fact that I was sitting there and I find out that it was a, it was aftershocks of an earthquake, like hmm. that's kind of. I heard about it. people like we had some aftershocks here. I didn't feel shit. Yeah, because there was only a couple people who recalled being in third class. And feeling it. And then James Cameron kind of makes like an ode to this where the one girl's like, oh, it must have been just like the propellers like shifting or something moving down in the bottom. Because that's kind of what it felt like. And the higher up you go in the ship, the less likely you are to feel it. So when they were trying to get people on the lifeboats and everybody was like, what are you talking about? Like, we didn't hit anything. And there was only like five people that actually seen the ice on the front of the bow of the ship. And that's where James Cameron shows the people kicking it around. Yeah, they were like playing with it. Yeah, ballsy. I mean, I would figure you break your foot, you know. <laughs> I would assume. I mean, I would assume that you know it didn't feel anything. Oh, there's ice. Like you know, we hit it with the top of the boat, and you know they've touted it as unsinkable. You yeah, know, with exact. At this stage in life, you know, you assume that the media knows what they're talking about. And your exact reaction is how all the passengers felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, our next scene is when Jack and Rose decide they're going to go confront Cal and say, hey, we're, we're a thing now. Like, we're done. 
and you know this is after the ship after the ship strikes the berg and they go in there and then of course lovejoy plants the diamond in jack's coat that jack actually stole to begin with and so mm-hmm. jack gets taken away and then you have one of the guys from you know one of the crew guys coming through with uh the life vests you know and it's like oh it's just a precaution i don't think it's anything serious because like mm-hmm. no one knew like no one knew yeah. what it was just oh yeah we were just told by the captain to pass these around and all that stuff but everything's fine and there were some people who just refused them because they just didn't believe it they just i'm not putting that on i'm too good for that and so yeah jack gets taken away he gets locked up in one of like in like a just a random room and uh rose at first even though later she's like i believed you the whole time but it just took me a bit to finally but i don't remember what the fuck are you talking about rose you knew you <laughs> believed that he stole that diamond. <laughs> you believe the person that you're in love with, or yeah. you believe the person that you're gonna get money from. Like, yeah. So this is when Andrews meets with the captain and Ismay's there, and they're talking about the fact that it the ship would be fine as long as it didn't was it five compartments uh yeah yeah or two of the back ones and two of the front ones yeah so because it was more than four it's fucked like in the front consecutively yeah and ismay's in the back like in disbelief and he, he goes this ship can't sink and he's like it's made out of iron sir it sure can I love that line. I love that they gave the builder of the ship the line, like, look, you fucking idiot. This ship is made out of solid iron. It will sink, and it's going to. Yeah, I love that line is, like, my one of my favorite lines, because it just showed, like, it's, and then Ismay, of course, being the slime ball he is, is one of the, the survivors ending up getting onto one yeah. of the, the lifeboats. Um, and just his kind of you know his shame the whole time when he hops oh my god contact. yeah because uh, murdoch is the one who's there because murdoch's the one who's like putting the putting people that shouldn't be going onto the lifeboats onto the lifeboats and yeah he sees ismay and kind of just stares at him the whole time and uh he would later yeah he'd have to after the sinking when he got back he had to go in front of uh congress i believe or and yeah he and had to testify, testify. In front of the US yeah. congress and he pretty and much was shamed for the rest of his life they fed him to the dogs yep. because his rationalization was oh well i there was no women and children around so i figured because i'm the chairman of white star line i have to give my account of events that happened which is true but at the same time it's like Buddy, you did it in such a scuzzy way. Yeah. 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 He, he sucked. So this is when, yeah, you get the realization that the ship's going to be going down in probably two or two hours, maybe a little over two hours. And because I think it officially goes down at 2.20 a.m. on April 15th. Uh, yeah. Because that is the, the time that the clock is set at at the very end of the movie. Also, that is the time that Andrew sets on the clock uh, when you last see him, which I thought was a, a nice little touch. 
But uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, the rest of this movie is just the chaos of the sinking. And to be honest, as much as it is a dark, it, this is a, you know, reliving this and seeing what might have been the case of how things went down during the sinking. This was what I looked forward to with this movie, just seeing the aftermath of the Titanic. And it's, like, it, it's terrifying. You know, imagine being on this as it's going down in these frigid waters in the North Atlantic. I think the water was at like 28 degrees or something, 26 to 28 yep. degrees at the, at the yep. time, which hypothermia was exactly that. Yeah. Hits you at like, it, was it five or 10 minutes? It's not even that long. James Cameron actually, when he was doing the, the test on the, the, on the door, the whole conject with Jack fit on the door thing. Uh, he, they tested it in like 50 degree water because they couldn't, the testing pool, they couldn't get that cold. And yeah, the only way that Jack could have survived is if he, he would have had to like stay on all fours and not let his stomach touch the water. And he, he might have, have survived. It. Yeah. He could have done it. But here's the thing. And a lot of people complain about that and it's whatever. But the fact is, is he tries to get on the door and the door almost flips. So his rationale was not the fact of him trying again. He just wanted to make sure Rose survives. We're jumping forward, but whatever. That's just what we do. Um, we all know what happens. If I you know. don't know what happens, then you don't know I don't, right? history, period. So <laughs> the ship sinks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was, that's the whole that was some point. people's rationale of why they've never seen this movie. We know how it ends. Well, I knew how it ended too before I saw it. <laughs> Watch the damn movie. Logic. Why do people watch world? Why do people watch movies about wars? You know how those things end. That's true. I mean, it's the same logic. Unless we get some like Quentin Tarantino type alternate history. Oh, Glorious movie, bastards. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what we needed. We needed M. Night Shyamalan to die yes. to do this movie because then no one would have died. It would have been an alternate universe where Marvel is there and <laughs> it just would have been nuts. The end of this movie. Whole- some, it would have been a dream or something. No, no, it's all inside of a like a like a snow globe. Oh yes, yeah, snow globe. <laughs> like like in Men in Black, it's just <laughs> aliens playing with marbles. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's on a cat collar. So no, I, I would have <laughs> just. Would awesome. It would have been the ship goes down as like the you know it goes down it just disappears and then immediately just like reconnects it just shoots out. Bob's yeah. back up like fucking date like uh the oh. flying Dutchman in Pirates of the Caribbean just. No, it's like the the one show that I was watching, uh, where it's uh, all the ships come up and it's like different realities and different ships. Oh, what the fuck is that show? I just watched it. Is and it I a cannot... Netflix show? I think so, but it's like. What's the boat that takes place on initially? <sighs> Don't ask me. <laughs> you the one watched it. You, I was just came in. You're like, look at all these damn boats. Sounds but interesting. Yeah, oh, was it a Pearl, exactly... was it a Pearl Harbor documentary? No, not documentary. It's oh. um. Sorry, I'm, I was, I'm gonna have to find it. I well, why, why are you looking at that? Let's just let's just have it be. No, what it would have been is it would have if it was in my Shyamalan. Is it would have been it wasn't an iceberg that sunk. <laughs> it, it would have been like some Lovecraftian old god that had sunk it. Oh fucking oh. yes! No, dude. Oh my god! We should just watch Deep Rising. We should just fucking watch Deep Rising. We're going to. Dude, <laughs> It's about a boat being sunk. About a giant monster. I'm on a boat. And it's got Benny in it. Yeah, because it was directed by the guy who did The Mummy. 
Fucking um, wonderful. Anyway, different movie. So yeah, so Rose, she decides that she's not going to get on a lifeboat. She's going to go find Jack. And this is when they, you know, she is having to wade through the water and get to his room. I love this whole thing where she has to pick up an axe because they can't find the key. So she's got the axe and it's like, I need you to go practice over on that bureau over there. And I need you to hit it. And then I need you to try to hit for that exact spot again. And she misses completely. And the boy was like, well, I guess we're just going to go with it. Oh, fuck. (laughs) That's enough practice for now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like I said, most of the rest of this movie is them trying to escape to the top of the the ship. We're seeing like the chaos. She she closes her eyes when she does it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no. You're no helping. Yeah, you're She's seeing you're seeing how like third class is treated, like they're being locked down, you know, at the bottom of the ship, like they won't let them up. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's tragic and it's sad seeing like because you know that this is probably how it happened, how you know these people were treated, and you know they even they some of the third class passengers end up escaping and getting to the top of the ship. And then, of course, we get the whole scene with Murdoch, who uh, he, of course, he's played as like a guy who could be paid off because like Cal pays him off to get him on a boat and get us some other people on the boat. And he then does, and then Cal like changes his mind and go, wants to go save Rose, but then comes back and Murdoch kind of like has a change of heart and he throws his money in his face. But then he's like trying to get people back because you got the third. You got um, I think his name was Tommy. He was the Irish one of the Irish guys who was at that party downstairs. Who he gets shot yes. by Murdoch, and there was somebody else who got shot too. And then he just kind of sees what he's done and ends up uh, shooting himself. Which yeah, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. It's 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 sad that yeah. this was all played out for just entertainment purposes to try to be more dramatic when this was a real person. It would have been and it would have been okay. And I say okay if it was a fictional crew person. Yeah. If this wasn't a real person. But the fact is it was it was I mean, I'm glad James Cameron ended up apologizing for for doing it. But uh yeah, it's still it's still a tough scene to watch. Uh, because this guy just goes through it, man. Like out of everybody on the crew, this guy goes through it the worst because he is there he, when the ship hits the iceberg. He is the one who has to give the call to try to avoid it, but then finding out that it's going to sink and like feeling like it's his fault. It this guy, man, this this guy got it the worst of anyone in this movie. So we. Then, oh, I was talking about was eighteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, oh, that Netflix one. Okay, yes. is that something about that, like the Bermuda canceled? Triangle or something like that? Yes, and I wish that. I hate that they it's only a one season yeah, well, show. That's, that's I was gonna Netflix. say I haven't heard a single person who had a bad review about it. So as soon as you said it, I'm like, is it a Netflix one? Because that was gonna be my guess. And I watch I watch Netflix well, I haven't watched Hulu lately because Hulu sucks on our you know our internet. <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> our internet service provider is it's it's dumb. But yeah, like that was a great show. And if you haven't watched it, please watch it. It's so I will watch it now. I will. So good. And I just I'll, hate I'll that it's know. only a one season show. How many episodes are there? Sorry to like go it, off track here, but it eight. is. Was it eight? 
don't know, probably. Right, I think usually Netflix eight. shows are yeah, eight or nine. It was eight. It was great. Okay, I'll watch it. I gotta catch it. Back. I gotta catch it too. Please watch it. So yeah, they've just chaos, absolute chaos. People jumping off the ship. Uh, you see that I love and shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, that's a little bit later when the when the when the ship starts to you know it's you know filling up with water more and it starts to uh, raise the uh, stern up and between the propeller and the person that hits the railing the railing yeah there was a lot of just if i knew i couldn't survive something i would want to go out fast i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to suffocate i wouldn't want to drown and i would not want to catch myself on fire just i would probably go out like the guy that shot himself in the head yeah it's tough. I oh. mean, if you're seeing you're I mean, you're seeing everything from like them trying to lower the lifeboats. Of course, they're not loading a lot of the lifeboats to full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you're even getting to the point where even after everything said and done, only one lifeboat went back out to try to find survivors when you had all of these other lifeboats that had half capacity just avoiding going back because they just felt like, oh, because there was one point where they like trying to pick up survivors. Oh, is the the bo- the lifeboat that Molly Brown is in Molly Brown and uh, Rose's mom. Yeah. And she wants to go out there and find survivors and like, no, they're going to swamp us. You sh-. And then, I, of course, the guy tells her to shut up and sit down and she does. And I was like, man, I wanted her to like punch that dude in the head. As much as I agree with you. Um, I, okay, I gotta play devil's advocate here. So, it, there's kind of like an unwritten safety rule with like, for example, I scuba dive. And one thing that they say is if the person next to you starts to drown, you have to let them pass out. Because when people go into panic mode, they panic and they can kill you too. Mm. So, it's kind of like a double-edged sword like you want to go back and save these people but are these people smart enough to be in that state of mind and let people on safely mm. so it's very very tough because it's hard to say, save someone that's flailing as opposed to not yeah because yeah. the one lifeboat that went back he waited because he waited till the screams died down to mm-hmm. reduce the amount of people to would come back on the boat, but in the end, they only ended up seven, saving seven people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. A, the the double edged sword, man. Yep. So yeah, Rose ends up being put back on a lifeboat because um, Cal, you know, plays plays it like he's going to put Jack on a boat with him, but they, it's not going to happen. She decides she doesn't want to leave Jack, so she jumps off it, reunites with him. I love the whole thing where he gets with it, he gets back with her, and she's like, "You're so stupid, Rose. You're so stupid." And um, yeah, you get the final meeting with Andrews, who's just kind of standing there in one of the ballrooms, and um, you know, it, they just kind of look at each other like they know what's going to happen next. And yeah, before he, the last thing you see him do is change the clock to 220. And yeah, it, it's, you know, this is when it gets really crazy. Cal ends up finding a child, tries to get on a boat. Then you get him getting on a boat and like fighting people off. Like he's got that or he's like swinging at people as the, at, because that part of the, the ship is in the water now. So he's like fighting people off and 
And then his uh, Lovejoy, Lovejoy gets it fucking rough, man. He's at the point where the, the ship splits in half. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. damn, he got it bad. <laughs> He's old now, like, fuck. But yeah, the ship splits in half and you know, one part goes in I, and, and this is terrifying. So the, the, the CERN goes up and then it like cracks and it just comes back down again. But also you see Fabrizio die. No! One of the yeah. smokestacks is just oh man, he gets taken he out bad too. You know what's really interesting? Feel free to tell me to shut up. But do you want to know something interesting about what James Cameron discovered about filming that scene? Because he did the banana peel theory where he would take a banana and then if you pull it and cause basically where the center of buoyancy is in the middle of the banana, it splits. But as water fills up the front of the ship, it pulls up the back because it's connected by the double-plated keel, right? So in the movie, he has it where the bow goes down, the stern comes up, it detaches, and falls back down. So he did studies with a forensic disaster expert and discovered that only two things were to happen. One, it would go up, it would detach, turn 90 degrees straight up, and then just go straight down. Or it would fall back down and kind of just go into the water. So with probability and through their demo testing, he realized that it couldn't do both. So if he could go back and refilm it, he wouldn't have the ship detach and fall back and then stand back up and go down. He would have it just 90 degree turn and sink. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I I remember seeing that in one of the documentaries for the anniversary uh, when he was trying to prove how the ship might have actually broke apart and yeah Mm -hmm. it's always just like man if i could go back and do it again i'd do it again (laughs) i really like you said it before like james cameron's ability to want to get things correct you gotta admire him for it oh absolutely he's so passionate about it and to do that even 20 years later he's like i was wrong because someone pointed out that when rose was laying on the board the star constellations were wrong for that time of year so when he redid it yeah, you're, you're smirking with me. He went back and re-CGI'd it to the correct star constellations that would so, be in the air at that scene. It's so crazy that people, like for me, like I'm just a simpleton here. You know, I watch a movie. I'm not looking at the fucking stars. But the fact that somebody looks at the stars and they're like, that's not what happened that day. Like, that's just wild that people can pick those things out. And then James Cameron's just like, all right, I'll change it for you. I'll make sure it's accurate. And I'm me, I'm just like, I, I, I didn't see anything. What? <laughs> just shows how simple i am they complained that that would not have been the proper location of the stars i was was more impressed i was like wow the stars look pretty i mean (laughs) i was just impressed with all the stars i know right the one one beautiful moment she's having where she thinks she's gonna die and people are like you know what that's wrong like (laughs) yeah they're more worried about the stars they don't give a shit about her freezing to death Oh, here I am God. thinking that Guggenheim was uh, a gentleman for I, we're dressed to impress. That's we're what that guy's name was. Yes, Guggenheim. Like, yes. They like, say I just feel sorry for the guy that's with him because his eyes are like, I don't, don't want to be here. here. I don't want to be here. What the fuck am I doing here? But it's like, yeah, yeah, we're dressed to impress. We're going down. Can I get a, you know, a cup of whatever he asked for yeah. and i'm like so reports the the actual people 
stated that he was last seen in one of like the ballrooms drinking brandy. Man, I thought about it when I was watching that movie. I don't know how, well, me, I can't put myself in their situation, but I don't think I would be that relaxed in a scenario. I'd be one of the 1,500 people at the top of that ship when it was going down. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. just go into a room and fall asleep. Yes, uh, speaking, I'm glad you you mentioned that. I I was afraid I was going to miss that, but that um, Ida Strauss and Isadora Strauss, uh, the the two the couple laying on the bed, they were the they were the the, the, the technically the founders of Macy's, and um, Isadora, they found Isadora's body, but Issa, they never found hers, which kind of makes it oh. sad because they like in the movie they die together, and you were hoping like either they just ne- both were never found or both were found together, but the fact that they only found one is kind of like, oh. But yeah, see, that but- interests me too because my grandmother worked at Macy's for 40 years. My wife worked at Macy's for a little bit. Oh, like that that <laughs> part, I was like, oh, Macy's? I'm like, hmm. Well, okay. that could have, but you got to think about it though. Like, even if they went on the bed together, like the process of them going down. Oh no, I'm not. Like, I'm not thinking of like those extra things, Dan. I was just. It was just. It was just that because of the moment, you know. I know, but like not finding the other body. I mean, but no, no, I get it. I oh mean, yeah, absolutely. If you if, coming from some. I love my husband. I probably That's wouldn't great. say. I'm so I probably I wouldn't stay and die with him. I'd be on the life. I'd be trying to find a way to get the fuck out of here. I'd be yeah. taking my kids and be like, <laughs> I'd be throwing. Bye, bye. you're on your own. Whip I'll find you later. <laughs> you heard the man, women and children first. Bye. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the they're the one dad that's trying to tell his kids that he'll find them later. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that he won't find them, nope. but trying to soothe them, so they gotta do what you gotta do. The word the the hardest one is when they after you see the Strausses, you see the mother talking to the kids in the bed. Oh, so that one hit bad, me the yeah. worst, especially chill, somebody who I mean me. I mean you know having small children, you guys having small children like that just fucking that was a gut but punch. Way worse. Holy knowing shit. that you're them to sleep just so they can oh die in peace were you gonna point out that that was the stepmom in terminator 2 oh was it oh that yep. oh that's um oh that's the uh, redhead the, 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 the aliens the tough chick I, I thought she was oh it alien. is holy shit ashley yeah, you just the... blew my fucking mind she was an alien she played the tough marine i can't remember oh, her name shit. Oh, damn and it. Yeah, she played the, the stepmom who then gets taken over by the T1. Oh, my Ashley. Every time I see that scene, it's it, it's not as sad anymore because I, I, I know that eventually she gets taken over by the T. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I wanted. She fights aliens and then gets taken over by a T1000. <laughs> yeah, she she powers through. <laughs> oh, shit. I got to look her up now. I, I Why am I blanking on her name? It's. I gotta, I'm going to look up Aliens because I know she was one of the it's, main characters. It's Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein. Damn, yeah. I did not even know. That is wild. That blows my mind. Ashley coming oh, in with the facts. Go. We've literally talked about her in two other movies. Oh, shit. Wow. It's, I guess because she didn't have... That's how she's dressed. Yeah. I and mean... she wasn't buff. And, and she wasn't And, and, and to be honest, I think you might have seen her in one other scene in this movie. But also, she Vasquez? looks nothing like Vasquez. Like, after she played Vasquez in Aliens... Like she, it like well, you couldn't recognize her in Terminator Two. Like it was not. No, who's, it's not that. the same person. 
We've got to pull up. That is not. That's wild. That's not. Wow, you blew my and, mind. And plus, actually. he's not. He's not insulting. You know, Bill Paxton's <laughs> sexuality. Yeah. Or, 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 his manliness. She's the best. Vasquez is the fucking, fucking awesome. All right. Oh, well, after that mind blowing fact. Speaking of firearms, I need to point her weapons because we did talk about her. And she oh, was yeah, the yeah. big gun toter. Yeah. So something I noticed is. Um, Technically, James Cameron apparently did some research because when Cal's chasing around with the 1911 and he fires, he fires seven shots, which is the magazine capacity wow. for the 1911. But that doesn't also doesn't make sense unless that's just how the dude carried it. Because in, this could just be modern like philosophy for carrying a weapon. But the 1911 usually you would load seven rack. That would give you one in the chamber and load your magazine back up to seven, which would give you eight shots with the hammer back. Oh, okay. Safety on. So that would be technically he would have eight shots. I mean, here I am But it could be how he carries count. it. I don't know. Everybody carries different. And it is a different time. So I don't God, know. Goddamn, America. You guys fucking got it down. <laughs> that's just <laughs> that interests me. We don't fuck around down here in America. <laughs> that's just what interests me. But I'm being, like this. being married to him long enough, I learned to count shots. I do in movies. But I was like, <laughs> that I definitely I definitely counted seven. I, I was seven I shots. never count shots. I just get to a point where like I'm just like there is no way there's that much fucking ammo in that gun. No Me way. Too. I do has got an Uzi. It probably has how much how much uh what's a what's the ammo capacity on a on an Uzi? Normal magazines thirty to thirty two. Okay. And the dude's weight like hundred and fifty rounds, like what? I mean, you do get <laughs> revolvers on, and people are like, how are you shooting 10 rounds? Yeah, like, where do you get this from? Stuff, like, there's some with eight round cylinders, some with a little but, more, but not in that caliber that you usually 10? Oh. Like, there's been a couple movies I'm like, mm, my favorite is the shotguns. My shot, my one of the shotguns oh, yeah. where they're like, just pop, 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 pop. Like, pop like, you got to reload sometime, bro? <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Anyway. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, Jack and Rose get to uh, the back of the ship. They hang on. I love the there's that one guy that when Rose and Jack are running towards the back, they uh, he tells her to jump off like a high point and she lands and there's a guy in all in white with the mustache. I don't know if he was probably one of the crew picks her up. And, are you OK? As Jack takes her, he's the one who's at the standing next to them as they're holding on as the as it's going down as he takes like his final sip of whatever he had oh. in there. I'm like, I'm glad like that they kept here. him with like, them for the till the end. He, uh, that guy that you're talking about, he was one of the survivors, and the only reason he survived was because he was drunk. Yes, he was one drunk of the bakers or whatever, and he drank yep. so much That's whiskey awesome. that he was warm. And he was it, one of the people who proved that there wasn't as much turbulence in the water when the Titanic finally submerged under the water. Because he and a couple of the people were able to actually just walk off the ship because it was so calm going down. Wow. Huh. Yeah, because it was it's it always threw me off anytime I'd watch this movie and like when it would fully go under, you would always you, you any type of ship goes down, it's gonna cause a lot of suction. And the ship being as big as it is, you would expect it to be a lot, but that's that's pretty crazy. Because I'm like, I feel like they should just been like sucked fifty to hundred feet down. <laughs> How long did it take for that last section to go down? Um, it bobbed in the air for, I don't know the exact time, but there was enough time for people in the water to just watch one of the portholes not move. 
and then it slowly started to go under and it was very slow because a lot of people said like oh it would just like fall down or something like that but the top of the i guess the top of the stern of the ship where everybody was was the lightest part of the ship because in the center was where all of the boilers were and the boilers were attached to the inside of the ship so as it started to finally go down it started imploding because of all the built up of pressure and that caused turbulence but it surprisingly was slow the whole process of it so i wonder if that's why it wasn't the water wasn't as um i don't know there wasn't so much water being displaced because it's going down so slow it's the pressure is equalizing at a slower rate it's not just like and like you know that you said people right. would walk off of it well, like i'm assuming were, i don't know that's not my field of expertise you were talking about you thought it was cool that they kept when the windows busted how it was sucking people oh yeah it was sucking people back in because it's trying to equalize pressure the water's yeah. filling in it's pulling people in to that cavity it's trying to get the equilibrium because there's a yeah. scene of that one guy swimming by it and it starts like pulling him into the fucking window and he's like oh and he grabs like the edge and pulls himself yeah. out they they also had a lot of it they had um they had ports on the side of the ship that they were supposed to be able to open up and allow people to uh, like they were supposed to let like lifeboats once they hit the water, they were supposed to go over to these ports and let people get on, but they never used them because nobody that was no one who was controlling the lifeboats wanted to get close to the ship while it was going down. Because there's a scene in the in the movie where they actually they uh, uh, some third class people open up one of those port doors and and yeah. they're like forcing it shut. They're, they're like, like oh, I got a shot. I got a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we get some close calls with what uh, they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, so Jack and Rose they get into the into the water, and um, you know it's it's chaotic. Everybody's flailing around, and Rose is getting like some dude's just submerging her multiple times to the point where Jack comes over and just punches him in the face. This would uh, go back to what Ashley was talking about. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Mm. I mean, are in the water. In he was using a woman as a buoy. Yeah. Like people panic in those situations. Like it's kind of that yeah. whole survival, right? Like the human, yeah. when the human body goes into fight or flight, it's crazy not knowing how you, even yourself could react in those situations. Yes. And, like I, I hate when people are like, oh, I wouldn't react like that in that situation. Like, how the hell are you going to know what you're going to react like that if you've never been in that situation? Exactly. Yeah. So. They find uh, Jack finds a piece of debris, and he try. They both try to get on. It doesn't work out. The the door like flips. So Jack just tells her to get up there, and uh, it's them just waiting for someone to for a lifeboat to come back, and to the point where you know he's trying to be. <laughs> he, he's trying to be com like confident. He's trying to like talk to, like trying to keep her at ease that somebody's going to come and then uh, she tries to say goodbye and he's like don't do that don't say goodbye and I was like you bastard I'll never let go <laughs> I'll never let go Jack where you go I go which is actually something that comes from the Strausses that's actually something that uh, I guess they used to say to each other and so they took that and used it for Jack and Rose makes me sad yeah 
And uh, I'm sorry, Rose. Rose tried to off herself at the beginning of the fucking movie. Let Jack on that fucking door. I, I mean, know. really? I know. That's just me being a pessimist. <laughs> yeah, he just got to that point where she's she slips on her dress, and my daughter's like, "How'd she do that?" I'm like, "Dramatic effect." Can you imagine how scary that would be, though. Like going, like, okay, I'm I'm going to be fine, and then this quick slip of a dress. Woo! Yeah. Like that scene gonna, was done very well, though. If, yeah, if you're gonna off yourself on a boat, just just let me go. Yep. Something that I found interesting, I I just randomly Google stuff when I find things interesting, and one of them was um, suicide at sea is actually quite common. And what people will do is they'll purposely take off their shoes or leave a watch around a railing. So if people go, "Oh, where are they?" and they see their shoes, they'll be like, "Okay, we don't have to look for them." They killed themselves. That makes sense. Which that that's should crazy. not be. Like, unfortunately, I know that that's the case, but like, you shouldn't be like, oh, well, eh, they're dead. Like, that should not. We had something similar I just, to that in a movie. I, we, we I just hate that, that people are like, well, they're going to find this. So it's so standardized. It's like it's just accepted. Yeah, like it's accepted. Like, it, it should not. Well, I'm sure some people turn. No, I just said I hate that that was such a accepted idea. Like an accepted, not from the people finding it, but from the people actually, like, committing suicide. Like, oh, they'll find this; it'll be okay. Right. Like, it shouldn't be. I wonder how many. Not to change the subject entirely. I wonder, like, that concept of people doing that at sea. I wonder how many people used that. As a way to fake their own deaths. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Now that's like, the stuff I talk about on my show. Conspiracy. Well, I was said we, we actually exactly. technically covered this very, very slightly in a film we covered a long time ago when we covered Shin Godzilla. Because at the very beginning, they find that boat. It was Goro Maki's boat. And he, he leaves everything there in his shoes. Sitting oh, there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's probably not exactly the same, but this being an entirely cultural difference between Japanese and then you know European American concept. So, but I mean, if I wanted to go off grid, I would take it. I could walk down the street. We'll be in the woods. You ain't got nothing to worry about here. (laughs) Go up in the mountains and shit. I mean, I've listened to enough true crime podcasts. I know how to get rid of myself. She's one right there. I've been listening. She's talking to you. I know. I've been (laughs) listening. Look, I have been listening to this stuff since grade school. I graduated in 2004. I'm 37 years old. I know how to... Angela knows some shit. I know how to get rid of myself. She probably knows how to get rid of me is the problem. I mean, that's... <laughs> I know how to get rid of you, too, if I wanted to. Whoa! I don't. I, I don't. She's just going to like leave peeps in like a locked car that's hot. Like, let's just lock, get me in, lock the door, and I'll just die of heat exhaustion. It was, it was an accident. He just wanted his peeps. He didn't know how to get out. He's a simpleton. He panicked. <laughs> I used my nose to peck the glass. I'll get through. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah, Jack Jack ends up freezing <laughs> to death, as we all know from this from this movie. Yeah. Uh, Rose then, you know, let's go, even though she says she wouldn't. Yeah, right? <laughs> Traitor. God. See, uh, yeah, she blows the whistle to catch the guy's attention. This is the guy who plays Mr. Fantastic. This is the guy who's running that boat. 
And uh, yeah, they get brought to the Carpathia. And Rose, then we get the whole thing where like Rose is um, recovering and Cal's like wandering the the ship. And uh, you get the whole background of like that was the last time she'd ever seen him. And like so because of the start, the uh, the start of the, the Great Depression, he ended up supposedly he killed himself when he lost pretty much lost all this money. And yeah, she went by Rose Dawson until she met this and until she married this guy whose last name was Calvert, had kids, did all that stuff. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. I mean, other than the fact that you get to see the the picture, all of her pictures of her living her life. Um, she ends up throwing the heart of the ocean back into the ocean. And my wife went, why did she do that? Why didn't she just give it to them? Like, why did that's she why I don't, to do that? I remember her just did that either. Uh, I guess that was the one part of her life that she was able to keep that she didn't want anybody else to have a part of. I suppose yeah, she just fucking but it was connected it when she got Cal. It wasn't even Jack's. It was connected to, I guess, because she wore it when Jack drew. I don't know. My wife literally is like, as we like, for like, why did she? What was the point of I, that? I'm like, oh, she kind of makes. She kind of <laughs> makes that line where she says, "A woman's heart." is like the ocean and then at the end of it she is she's finally able to be at peace and let it go where everyone else went which is why usually people think that she did die because it was left ambiguous so Mm -hmm. she got to go back and uh i guess i guess we go in every fucking time that scene is so sad yeah, I think I think the whole notion. Yeah, I think the whole notion is that she dies because that's how she's able to go back to Titanic. Yeah, she has to be with tell her tale, tale and like there's all the dead people there. But yeah, there. like it's everybody's dead. dead. Yeah, that all she my sees. Dead. I and mean, clock, really. And the clock that is on the staircase is set to two twenty. Again, the odds of this whole thing happening, like mm-hmm. the odds of you dying, man. Talk about carrying like a burden your entire life. Yep. Because a lot of the witnesses, and or I say witnesses, I mean survivors, a lot of them actually never told their families that they survived the Titanic. It just randomly came up in conversation yeah. because, yeah, just nobody really talked about it. It's so that's like, why, sorry, go ahead. It's like Holocaust survivors. That's not something that they wanted to talk about, which I don't blame them for not wanting to. Like, how does that come up in conversation? Like, no. People in the military do the same thing. Yeah. My grandpa never talked about World War II or Korea very much. It's usually their their kids that'll tell all the stories because it's yep. the stories yep. that were told to them and only yep. to their children, not really to like friends or anything. But then the t- because like my stepdad would tell me stories about his grand uh, his father who was in the eighty second Airborne during World War II. He was a paratrooper and he was in a lot of fights and he told me all the stories. That's fucking amazing. Uh, from all of the like fights. Finding out about Papa on Dad's side, like he never said anything. It was always um, yeah. Faith that told the stories. So, so yeah, that's uh, that is Titanic from 1997. Uh, you, the, the the cool thing is, is we decided I decided to do this episode because uh, we release our episodes on Fridays and. The day that this will be released will be April 14th, which was the day that the Titanic struck the iceberg. Uh, But for Patreon members, you will get the episode on April 10th, which was when the Titanic set sail. So 
Okay, at least you still made it relevant. I was going to be like, yeah, that yeah. fucks the whole meaning. And, it was, and I, I wish I did it last year because last year was the 110th anniversary of the sinking, but I forgot. And so here we are for the 111th anniversary of the we sinking. We got Ashley now. Yeah. yeah, you went last year. That's true. So it all worked out. I appreciate the love. Absolutely. Thank we you appreciate for, you. Being yeah, here. We appreciate you being here and sharing all your Titanic knowledge and, you know, just, you know, having, hopefully you had a good time and yeah. this was, this was well, awesome. Of course I did. <laughs> I got the most knowledge about gun control that I've ever gotten in my entire life. <laughs> yes. You can never go wrong so, with Dan. And you ignited my brain. I think it's something, well, it wasn't my intent, but yes, I think that is I genuinely found it interesting because I, that's not, that's, I don't know. So I was, I wish you could, you couldn't see my face. Fun fact, they can't see my face. But my mouth was like Kool-Aid smile open and I was just so amused. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Between cars and guns. A little bit. Just a little bit. So. But no, if you listen I, to the show long enough, you probably learn a little bit about it inadvertently just through conversation. So, of course, I'm going to. I find you guys absolutely. You guys are a pleasure, and I'm not just being Canadian polite. I truly mean it. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face, but I didn't want to put my makeup on. And I really, I really like you guys. You're fantastic. It's funny that Thank we have a Canadian much. friend, and I'm like, man, it's just Adam. In yeah, the Canadian. I'm a fucking dickhead. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I hope he's listening to this too. <laughs> <laughs> go back edit and see how many times i said a i don't think i said it once no i don't I think I, you, you might, it might have slipped in somewhere but it was so subtle it's just like i'm I'll not hear canadian it when I'm editing it. and i <laughs> say it yeah yes I, I will i will when i edit it if i do catch it because sometimes i don't catch certain things but if i catch one i'll i'll make sure to message you and be like at this time this is when I I let, me know if, <laughs> let me know if i said bud that doesn't count, but let me know uh, if I said bud. I That's a Canadian one. I don't, I don't think that one. I didn't hear That's, that because I, I say bud and I'm not even Canadian. But is always a That's always my text message and thing when I'm talking to most people, mostly guys. Uh, it's thanks, always bud. bud. Yeah, it's just like, thanks, bud. Hey, appreciate that, bud. Like everybody's bud. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know A was a thing, a Canadian thing until I was in high school. I'm like, I say that. <laughs> You're secretly yeah, Canadian. I guess I'm secretly Canadian. Like I did, I did plan on moving to Canada with my best friend from grade school, and it never happened. And you would have never met Daniel, and then this podcast wouldn't exist. No, but that's um, where they're from. That's where my best friends were from. What Canada? Was, no, from <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah. Judy and Holly. I know. I don't know. That's you guys are planning on fucking. Seceding. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna move. After high school to Canada with Jeannie. Kind of glad that didn't happen. I'm kind of glad it didn't happen either. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, Ashley, why don't you tell us what's going to be going on over there at Lullaby the Fear podcast? Well, my, oh, I guess this will be irrelevant. See, my next episode is out tomorrow, but I As of this recording, everybody, not when you hear this. As of this recording, the newest episode will be out tomorrow. (laughs) Time travel ahead. Episodes Ah. come out on Mondays. But yeah, I did an episode on the RMS Titanic because there were so many things that happened. And I tried to kind of brief over some of them. If you're really interested in A to Z for Titanic, including like the trials afterwards, I did the episode. And I get really excited when I talk about it because, like you said, 
What about Captain E.J. Smith? It's like, ah, oh, here we go. I'm going on a rant. Because that guy had a laundry list of what he could have done right. So I hope you listen to it. If not, that's cool, too. I, I just, oh, absolutely. I'm happy we're, to be here. We're going to be linking both the show and that specific episode since it does link into what we talked about today. Uh, yeah, make sure to check out Lullaby the Fear podcast. It is I don't listen to a lot. Uh, to be honest, I think you're the only true crime podcast I listen to because oh. for some reason it's just not something I was... I had done so much in my youth of just like reading about serial killers and all that stuff. I was just like kind of at a lull moment, but like I remember listening, I think it was your, uh, who was the, the Nazi. Oh, Joseph Angela. Yeah. That was the first episode I had listened to and it would just blew my mind. And I was like, I can't, I gotta go. I gotta keep going. This is fantastic. So that, that makes me really happy because um it's there are so many true crime podcasts out there and i tried to bring my radio background i don't work in radio but i loved growing up listening to like the old time radio shows like the shadow or like all those old ones so i wanted to incorporate a way to teach people not of well like yes of the crimes but from the day it started to the day it ended and that's because a lot of people kind of like skim over it where to understand the progression of a crime, you have to start from the beginning. And I love doing it and I love history. So going into it, I try to do it different than other podcasts. I'm not saying I'm better, not in any way. So don't change my words. I just try to do it in a more creative, more creative way to what I'm comfortable with. And I'm glad you appreciate it. I truly do. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to download the newest episode tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm so excited. I gotta, so excited. I'm going Here's to work. Here's a hint. Here's a shot. Well, oh, not good. us. Not us over here looking at. Yeah, we're not um, laughing at what you're saying. Something she just realized. I just realized that you are in the same province as our our buddy Adam Blank. Adam Blank from Remember the Podcast. Remember the game. Or Remember the Game podcast. Well, hi, fellow Albertan. Yes, so, I was yeah, like, so... wait a minute. <laughs> So all of Ashley's links will be down in the description of the video and in our show notes. So make sure to go follow Lullaby the Fear podcast. Make sure to listen to the Titanic episode, uh, especially, you know, you're going to get more in-depth information on the actual event, on the the, all the different people that were on the, the ship, how certain things were affected. You get so much more of a deep dive in than what we were able to do here, which is not really what we do here. So that's why we like to direct people to other podcasts that are talking about similar uh, topics we talk about movies but it's nice to be able to incorporate the the history especially when it's based on something uh, true so that's why having ashley here was was great next week guys we're jumping into our first week of our disney coverage we're going to be looking for the next four weeks we're going to be talking about disney uh animated movies alongside their live action remakes And we're starting off next week with Angela's pick of Beauty and the Beast, where we're going to be talking about the 1991 animated movie compared to the 2017 live action film with Emma Watson. So that it's already recorded, everybody. So but it was a really good one. It's going to be great. A lot of fun. We're going to be covering that. The Jungle Book, my pick. I still haven't picked one yet. Uh, And then we're going to be doing a whole episode. We're just going to be talking about all Disney remakes and our the goods, the bads, the uglies of uh, of Disney and what they think is good for live action and what they should shouldn't be doing anymore. So we don't 
Oh, that'll be, that'll be so good. I was going to say a live action Aristocats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The cat's the only cat that knows where it's at. I mean, That's everybody it. wants to be a cat. True. Just, just can't do the Siamese. Oh, no, wait. Was the Siamese cats? That was Lady in the Train. Yeah. Well, he, he does play chopsticks on yes, the piano. Yes, he does. He does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, With yeah. a very insensitive accent yes. as well. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, I can't believe we're in triple digits now. This was a, episode 101, which is just insane to think about. Uh, and yeah, thank, thank you everybody for supporting the show. Make sure you follow us at Dissect That Film at all the wherever all the social medias podcast services we're at dissect that film there and um yeah thanks for all the for the comments and everything there we don't have any comments though this week we as as we do we always put a comment out to ask what people thought of the movie that we're covering Uh, all we got was that people were excited that ashley was on the show and you know what that's all we need i got one (laughs) he's got one he's got one yeah read it to us angela Two peas in a pod says uh, one of the all-time greats. Wow, that must have been a late one. But thanks, <laughs> thanks, Gerald. That's from. We love you, man. That was from yesterday. That was from yesterday. Oh, Ashley, I didn't ask you. Where can people find you? Oh well, you can find me at Twitter at Lullaby the Fear and on Instagram at Lullaby the Fear Podcast. And I'm on all listening platforms, so go to town. Yes, like I said, every link will be down in the description, so you can click on whatever you need to. All right, everybody. Well, this episode will be shorter than the movie itself, but it's pretty damn close. So we're going to get out of here right now. So thank you, everybody. Until next time, I am Brett Parker. That is Dan and Angela of DNA Gaming. And that is Ashley Lana from Fear. Lullaby the Fear podcast. This has been episode 101 of the Dissect That Film podcast. See you all again next time. Bye-bye. Bye.